Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of January 2022, and it's once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Tales from the Shelf episode. Um, but in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? Oh, it's going great. Glad to be here. Thanks again, Trevor. You know, it's a new year, but same Blu-rays, if you know what I'm saying. It's uh, <laughs> Nothing's changed for me. Still collecting that physical media and uh, excited to show off some aspects of the collection. Oh, yeah. This this is always a, a grand old time. I, I love doing this, this very special project we run every month here on Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, it, I don't know. It bring, brings peace to my soul to be able to not only uh, collect occasionally watch <laughs> uh, movies but also discuss them and explain why i hoard the things that i hoard but um as evidenced by the ever-growing antenna just above my head here um those those films brad I, I will tell you this much like you'll be very proud of me that is not backlog stack that is actually recently watched stack that's going oh. uh, directly up raul julia's asshole um, <laughs> but as you can see it's getting very near to the ceiling uh, so thankfully, I have been getting some watching in lately. Unfortunately, I've also been getting some purchasing in. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, it's off screen at the moment, but there is most certainly a backlog there. Um, but uh, before we get into things, uh, being as we're you know chit chatting here, uh, any uh, any uh, noteworthy purchases for you? Any noteworthy pickups in the Blu-ray world for you? You know, I, I haven't bought too much since the new year. Um, I guess I'll mention, I, like, uh, in November, I bought a few Criterions in the Barnes & Noble sale, uh, including the big one. I bought the uh, the complete Jacques Tati collection. Yeah. Um, which uh, I, you know, wanted to – I've wanted to watch Playtime for a while, um, and I would have bought that film separately because it used to be a separate Criterion release on its own. But now I think you have to get the whole box set, so I've been holding off on it. Finally decided I gotta dig into this guy's uh, work because I hear so many people saying, "Oh, this is very Jacques Tati inspired," and I'm like, "I don't know what the hell they're talking about." So um, I bought that. You know, uh, I got a few uh, Blu-rays and 4Ks as uh, Christmas gifts, including uh, the Last Duel I got on 4K, which was a very nice gift. First time watch for that one on 4K, and it looked gorgeous. Um, so yeah, I've taken a little bit of, a, I pumped the brakes a little bit, uh, in the last few weeks at least, but, uh, I'm sure it's going to start up again soon. Oh yeah. No, I, I pumped the brakes, uh, pretty, pretty heartily after the holidays. My, my brother and his, and his wife, like they, they splurged on me. They got me a, a nice, nice little stack of some awesome movies that, um, I've mostly have yet to watch. Uh, I've bought through a couple of them, but, um, in terms of like pickups since the holidays for me, I think it only have one uh, and it's of course ascot atkins film <laughs> which recently dropped uh, i believe this month uh, that would be uh the dolph lundgren directed and starring film uh, castle falls uh, so that's mm. uh, yet another collaboration between dolph lundgren and scott atkins they've been involved in at least three or four different movies over the years uh, they've thrown hands at each other in at least three of uh, the four of those um, but yeah, this one is directed by Lundgren. Um, it's getting okay reviews. <laughs> no, nothing that I'm like super hyped about, but you know, it has two guys I like, and uh, I'm curious to see what Dolph's uh, directing ability is like because 
I know he's directed more than one film in the past, um, but not any that I've personally seen. Um, but yeah, for me, I think that's literally the only pickup I have since since the holiday giftathon and whatnot. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, today we're talking tales from the shelf. Uh, and said tales, as I had mentioned up top, uh, are going to be concerning the realm of television. Uh, so normally, uh, Brad and I, uh, the way we conduct this show, and this is how we're going to be doing it today for sure, uh, Tales from the Shelf, Tales from the Shelf, uh, serves as an as a exhibition of our respective film collections. So you may have noticed, dear viewers, uh, hopefully viewers, uh, definitely listeners, um, that both Brad and I have pretty pretty solid physical media collections that would be dvds blu-rays and 4ks mostly just blu-rays and 4ks for brad because uh, he has a uh, pretty hearty stigma against the dvd format um yeah but uh today uh, in particular we're going to be talking about uh discs that we own uh from television series or streaming series or what have you just series format viewing um so as is the norm i'm going to be tossing brad under the bus uh, to kick us off and uh exhibit our first pick here so brad uh what is your first uh terrific televised pick well you know i, I will say i actually do own quite a bit of tv on dvd um because it seems like that was when like people were buying television shows physically the most was the dvd era definitely has slowed down during blu-ray and certainly 4k like very few 4k tv releases um now i did not pick any of those out to highlight any of the dvd picks because they're dead to me i can find them in better quality on most streaming services anyway <laughs> so we're sticking with uh blu-ray only for this one but i'm gonna start i'm gonna come out with a, a strong one i think and uh you know this is uh on youtube you can watch this uh podcast on youtube as well um, not my pick, the the podcast itself that you're listening to or watching. And I feel like this is a good pick for like the YouTube crowd. It really, you know, might be it might be a bit of a film bro pick. It might be a little obvious, and I think it is a little obvious. But I mean, it's still good. And I'm gonna go with the complete series of Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, the complete series, which comes in this amazing packaging now. I do I do really like Breaking Bad a lot. I think it is a great show. You know, a little obvious. Uh, you know, I'm glad it got the attention and love that it deserves. But, uh, I mean, let's be honest. The ending, it, it hit all the expected beats. Didn't really do anything like no one was expecting it to. But beyond that, this is an awesome set. Um, and I, I love the packaging of this in the barrel here. You can pop it open. I got to try and do this without spilling everything out of my computer here. <laughs> but you pop open the barrel. You got all the discs in there like that. You got a nice little uh, booklet pamphlet thingy here uh, that has like all the episode guides and just like really cool how they I don't even know if this is like practical, but just how the discs are in uh, these like metallic cases here. Like you pop it up and it's like magnets, which is, you know, cool in and of itself. But they actually, you know, of course, any Breaking Bad fan will know the classic magnet episode magnets bitch that famous line so like just you know really unique and kind of cool and i i really dig that i have to say um and then the surprises just keep on coming because uh you you know a barrel you usually barrels don't open this way if a barrel opened like this it wouldn't hold any water what the hell it wouldn't <laughs> so you normally barrels open at the top well you open at the top 
And you got a nice little surprise up here. Not only is there a nice little bonus disc in the actual lid, but uh, there is a thing of cash. I don't know if I can do this without tipping it. A thing of cash in the barrel, because, of course, this is where Walt hides his money. And uh, I do believe that in here, in this cash, is a T-shirt, but uh, I, I haven't opened it because uh, it kind of it takes away from the, you know, you got to have the, the money when you open the barrel, right? Like... I think it's a, I want to say it's a Los Poyos Hermanos shirt, the fictional chicken restaurant in the show. Um, like, well, I'm not going to wear it. I can, if I really wanted to wear that, I could buy a shirt like that separately. And there's also a uh, Heisenberg Breaking Bad pin inside as well. So really just an awesome set. Uh, I think I've watched these. I think I watched through the series on Blu-ray at one point. Maybe not. Maybe I never actually watched anything on this, and I spent all that money on it. But I'm glad that I did. I, I will say that I, I did uh, really get pissed off at Sony Home Entertainment because when this was announced, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I got to buy it. And, you know, you fork out. I forget how much it was. I'm sure it was over 100 bucks for this complete series set. And you're like, all right, I've got this. This is the, the best you'll ever get. And I remember... Like, a couple of years later, it was before the, the spinoff series Better Call Saul came out. They released, they re-released the bucket that was previously out of print, and now it contained even more bonus features. And I'm like, they really screwed me on that, because I was the, I, I was one of the true fans that bought it first, and then it sold out, and now there's even an even better version with more bonus features? Get real, Sony Home Entertainment. They're dead to me after that. But it is a, it is a pretty uh, awesome sat there really really good stuff <laughs> yeah you are a proud owner of a legacy bucket not that second yeah. run bullshit that's true, that's true. That's true. <laughs> first edition bucket owner right here bro <laughs> i'm not a poser like some of these <laughs> fake fans who only discovered the show on netflix get real i was watching it on amc come on yeah actually that's that's when i was watching it um and that was only the first season um, I, I had an office job and a really cool boss that, uh, he would just put on things like on the office television. And we actually just like went through the first season, uh, on, on AMC. Um, mm -hmm. and we also watched a lot of Batman 89, uh, and a lot wow. of James Bond. That was one of the coolest offices I've ever worked in, but it's a cool job. <laughs> yeah, no cool guy too. I'm, I'm still very close with him, but, um, unfortunately I'd never kept up with the series after that. I just kind of dropped it after that. Uh, it wasn't so much I dropped it. I actually was very happy with what I saw. I really enjoyed that first season. I, I think it was just a combination of um, not having ready access to television and streaming. Like I, I just didn't have access to things at that point in my life. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of wrote it off as like, oh, maybe I'll get to it someday. And to, to date, I have yet to do so. But goddamn, Brad, that is a handsome package. That is quite a handsome package. Uh, holy shit, the... Uh, not only the the packaging quote gimmick and and that's not meant to be pejorative um, that's a that's a really awesome concept um, and it's even it's doubly so because it actually factors into like you know fan service as well um, and though those uh magnetized cases for the individual discs I've never seen anything like that but that's really yeah. secure like that looks I've very had... clean and secure and that makes me a collector very happy <laughs> yeah it's, it's nice and I forgot to mention this uh, which. You know, it's kind of like a pain, like, when would you do this? But you look on the bottom of the case, the magnet cases, you got a little image here. And if you actually take out the discs, 
And again, it's like, why would you do this? This is kind of dumb. But if you take out the discs and put the magnets together, you can see it starts to form. Now there's the black and the pink and the bare. If you take out all the discs and put all these for each season, it forms a key image from that season. I mean, I don't know if they're like wanting you to scratch up your discs by removing them all at once. And then you have to buy more. I don't know. <laughs> Gonna but need it's, another it's cool bucket concept. over here. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of these, like, monster box sets. Like, I, you know, I, I kind of hate, like, uh, you got to put them. Where are you going to put them? Like, bleh. But I, I like that this one doesn't even try to be, like, an actual box. Like, it, this isn't even trying to be on your shelf. Like, it knows it's got to go somewhere special. It's got to go on the top of the shelf or something. So I, I appreciate that, and uh, yeah, it's 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 quite cool, very very nice, very sleek. Yeah, it helps too that the show has a good reputation and is for like all intents and purposes legitimately very very good. Um, so it's it's like as a conversation piece, it's a good one to have. Um, yeah. Unlike my uh, my gaudy uh, what Nakatomi Plaza tower that I swear the only reason I bought that is because I bought it directly through like the twenty. 20th century fox like studios website and for whatever the fuck reason it was cheaper than like the standard just like cardboard slipcase one for all five hey. diehard movies and i was like sure you do whatever you justify it however you need to <laughs> however you can sleep at night with that thing it's it is such a fucking eyesore but i'm telling you like legitimately that's the reason i got it is because i was like this is actually cheaper than buying all the other buying all the movies in just like a simple little box. It's like, sure, I'll have a big dumb fucking tower in my on my shelf. I love I, Die I Hard think, One. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think for a conversation piece, I think you need to really make a statement and uh, take that and decorate it as your Christmas tree and uh, fall on the Die Hard is a Christmas tree uh, debate. That way, whenever somebody comes over, you can really like uh, grill them. Like, don't you think Die Hard's a Christmas movie? Look at it. It's, a, it's my tree. Don't you see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to decorate it with tinsel and maybe like make like a, I don't know, a pipe cleaner Hans Gruber falling out the 40th floor or something. Uh, <laughs> just like yeah. duct tape it to it or something. But yeah, I could totally swing that. But yeah, yeah, Brett, that is quite the package, and I'm not gonna lie. Um, uh, as soon as you brought up magnets, because I don't have as deep a familiarity with the show, initially my thought was, how do they work? (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. And I don't know. Is there any like chance like a mag could a magnet could uh, like could ruin a disc potentially? I mean, they're very small magnets that aren't touching the disc, but. Never really considered that. Yeah, I, I don't know about discs. I mean, obviously, we have an entire movie um, with the premise being magnets harming VHS tapes, like magnetized mm-hmm. tape. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that involved, like for optical discs and whatnot. But okay. um, yeah, and one would hope they designed the packaging of their barrel box set to not harm the discs housed therein. <laughs> I haven't used uh, any of the discs in years, so I might have to. Maybe I'll pop one in tonight, just make sure it still works. <laughs> Come on, baby, hold together. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I figured I, I started with that one, though. I had to come out guns blazing. Yeah, um, that was a shot across my bow, Brad. God yeah, damn, I don't really, son. <laughs> I don't have anything else that cool, I'll be honest. But still great stuff, so keep on uh, keep on tuning in. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't turn peak. it off yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't peaked that early. Uh, but, 
Um, shit, uh, that is quite the statement to make, so I'm going to have to challenge that accordingly. Um, this is part of, pro- folks, this is part of why I have Brad go first. Uh, I'd like him to be the tone setter, because in general, like in life in and in podcasting, I feel I do a lot better complimenting others, like playing off of other people's rhythm and whatnot. So uh, I'll try my best to match you, Brad. I don't have anything quite as prestigious as... A fucking barrel, a magnetized barrel <laughs> with a t-shirt, with a fucking t-shirt in it. Unopened t-shirt. Yeah, but I, I think I got something nice. Oh, by the way, okay. the t-shirt makes me, it reminds me of my old uh, Spider-Man 3 DVD that came with like a, a Lucha Libre style like black Spider-Man mask. But like nice. my dumb ass pulled it out thinking, like, oh, it's fucking sweet, a Spider-Man mask. <laughs> And then of course it's like for a, a child, so yeah. I pulled it out and I couldn't like I couldn't get it back in. <laughs> so I pulled it out thinking, oh shit, I get to run around looking like black suit Spider Man all day, fucking sweet. My head's too fucking big, Could man. Be- <laughs> <It> sucks. <laughs> Bummer. They should have had an adult version. Uh, like they should have specified. You know, I should have either. wrote a nasty gram to Sony and been like, yeah. motherfucker, I bought your DVD. And I can't fit your Spider-Man mask. And I have a small head. I That's do a have a small head. You can't see it on the webcam, but my head is not very big at all. Goddamn. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good point. I actually don't know what size t-shirt is included in this. That's I never thought about that. I mean, it's American, so fucking huge. Be I bet you it's an XL. I would guess XL. I mean, if you're if they're wise, like if they want to appease the fan base, I think it would be wise to just go for broke and make it a big one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, Brad. I got my pick set up here. All right. So, uh, as is the norm, I'm going to cheat just a little bit uh, because I actually have um, a duplicate, um, but in a different format. Uh, it's the same thing twice. And, in fact, uh, I think I showed this on a... I think we did an episode on Tales from the Shelf about box sets at one point. I can't recall the title of that episode, but I'm pretty sure I talked about this on that episode. So, folks at home, maybe check that one out. It's probably worthwhile. Maybe. I don't know. We've probably gotten a lot better at this shit since then. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what I have here is a kind of beat to shit uh, DVD DVD box set. So, Brad's already getting his uh, barf bag ready. Um, And this would be the... uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion uh, Perfect Collection. I don't know what makes it perfect. Uh, most certainly this version of it is grossly imperfect, being as you can see it's scuffed to shit. I got this at a secondhand store, and it was priced accordingly, so I was like, shit, why not? And uh, mind you, um, the reason I got this when I got it is that uh, this series, uh, which I have an affinity for, did not have a uh, HD release. Um, I don't even think in Japan at the time. Uh, so DVD was the only format. DVD was the only format you could get this, uh, in particular in the West. Uh, so we have here all of the uh, clamshell cases uh, for the entire television series, um, minus the uh, collection film and uh, uh, the end of Evangelion, which is the feature film, which concludes the series, which is on the shelf back there. Uh, also a DVD, but I didn't pull that out. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. eight discs, um, large DVD cases, very rigidly constructed. These are ADV film discs. I don't even know if ADV still exists, honestly. But um, 
in the early days of DVD distribution uh, for anime titles in the U.S., ADV was pretty big. Um, they were often thought of as like one of the worst uh, dubbing studios um, in anime production. Uh, like their voice acting was the stuff of legend, where it's like uh, standards have risen quite a bit since since yeah. these days, but. Yeah, I've brought up the show plenty of times, um, but yeah, this is the DVD box that I have of that. But I, I like the consistency on the spines on that, like how they just kept the title like exactly like they didn't like, you know, I, I, I don't know. It looks it looks very clean. I like that. Yeah, I like that the the font is consistent all the way through the uh, the positioning of of the titling uh, for all the discs. All of them have the the word collection and then zero colon number. So it's just mm-hmm. co- collection zero colon number, um, yeah. It's very consistent. It's very cohesive, as it should be, being as it's meant yeah. to be housed in a box, a big gaudy they box. They didn't fuck it up. They they put it on the box. Um, so, uh, in addition to that, though, uh, and this is where this is me trying to match Brad's epic barrel. Um, I have here uh, from G Kids. Um, not ADV anymore, because, like I said, I don't even know if ADV is still in business. Um, I have here the Neon Genesis Evangelion uh, Collector's Edition uh, box set, which has a very nice, very nice texture to it. It's a very nice, nice bread. <laughs> it's a very nice. Uh, uh, I can, uh, I can uh, see the texture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and on the box, it, on the back, uh, it just says uh, Nerv, which is the. Uh, Name it like the major organization featured in the series. Um, and this is the uh, just the piece of slip paper describing what the contents of the package are. But um, we have three discs. Um, we have series and movies, bonus series and movies, and classic version, which features the shitty ADV dub. If you're interested in hearing that shit again, <laughs> um, kind of like I think they did the same with Akira, maybe uh, because the original English dub for Akira. Uh, famously and or infamously uh, included the voice actor that uh, portrayed Leonardo uh, from the Ninja Turtles um, as Kaneda. Uh, so if you if you have nostalgia needs to hear Leonardo in your Akira movie, I think you can actually use that audio track to this very day. Um, and then we also have additional bonus materials, which is like making of and things like that. But this is a fantastic package. I'm loving the clear cases. Just simple zero one. Oh, ooh, ah, uh, oh. Is that uh? Is it Antonio Banderas in that GIF where he's like, or you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> ooh, just, just. Ooh. Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. That is just, nice. Just, oh, I'm gonna need to wash these pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's from uh, Assassins, if memory mm. serves, which is a. Uh, I think that was written by the Wachowskis back in the day. Oh, um, nice. it's a uh, Sylvester Stallone and Antonio Banderas in Assassins. Um, but yeah, we have five discs in here. Very clean, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the color scheme here is black, purple, and green. Which uh, this zero one matches the uh, the Mecca um, that also has the designation zero one. Um, same goes for the other two discs, which are red, uh, yellow, and black, and uh, yellow like kind of beige and black but in addition to that we also have dos booklets um, mm-hmm. this one houses uh some art cards which i'm going to 
destroy in trying to open, so I'm not going to. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't um, do it. And then this is just kind of like you would find in like a CD or or a a record album, uh, just mm-hmm. a brief encyclopedia and illustrations of all like the major art elements and mecha featured in the series. Um, and also, um, as I mentioned, the uh, uh, DVD of uh, the end of Evangelion uh, is not included in that DVD box set that I showed you. Um, however, th- that film is included in this box set uh, on Blu-ray for the first time uh, in the United States. Uh, so it's kind of a big deal. And uh, yeah. I have I have yet to actually watch this. I've, I've certainly watched that DVD series at least one time through, and I watched I watched the series previous, uh, like via bootleg, a uh, long time ago. But yeah, uh, Evan- Evangelion. Uh, I don't know what it is about it. I like it has a lot of fucking problems, but uh, it hit me at the right time. We'll just say that much. I was about like eleven or twelve years old when I first saw it, and something about it spoke to me at the time, and so I just kind of like carry it along with me throughout the years, and I have a love-hate thing with it but apparently i care enough about it that i, I buy fucking box sets of it twice <laughs> well that, that's that was second one was a real nice box set that was a real good um was there am i going crazy or was there some sort of uh release from was it that series or that uh, was there a movie of that that came out this year i feel like i heard something Something Neon Genesis came out this year. Maybe I'm going crazy here. I think you're right. It may have been 2020 or 2021, but um, Amazon... Yeah, I guess, yeah, this year, I'm, I'm talking, yeah, yeah. Uh, Past Am- year. Amazon uh, did obtain the rights uh, to the the last movie in uh, what's called the rebuild of Evangelion. Uh, so it's, a, it's four different movies that are kind of like a semi-retelling of the television series, um, but then it takes a hard pivot at one point. I think at the end of the second movie, it's just like, oh, we're not doing that anymore. Nobody told me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, actually, that makes for like some exciting news by the time you get to that last one where it's like, OK, it took two and a half movies, but uh, we're officially like in uncharted territory now. So we're actually go- taking steps to tell a new story um, with a fuck ton of money backing the animation budget. Um and also remember, this is the brainchild of uh, Hideaki Anno, uh, who is, of course, the director of Shin Gojira, um, and has since rig- risen to such prominence in the Japanese film industry that Shin Gojira won the equivalent of the Japanese Academy Award uh, for Best Picture. Um, and since then, he's just been given the keys to every fucking castle in town. Like, like uh, there's a Shin Ultraman in movie that already has a teaser trailer. There's a Shin Kamen Rider uh, which also has a teaser trailer. These are both franchises that ex- have existed in Japan um, since the '60s and the '70s, respectively. Um, and he's being at, he's being tasked with revamping them for for the current generation, uh, just based on the success of Gojira and and his Evangelion project that's been going on for decades. But um, I have yet to actually watch that last uh, rebuild of Evangelion film, uh, even though it was readily available and free on Amazon Prime. Uh, for whatever reason, I just never got around to it. But um, now that it's on my mind, maybe now is the time, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's there whenever you're ready for it. Well, I hope so. <laughs> it's like, no, we're going to jack up the price now that Trevor's interested again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy with that package. I, I really am excited 
uh, to see what the series is like in HD because um, from a visual standpoint, from an audio-visual standpoint, uh, it was always excellent. Uh, so to see it in cr- ultra-crisp HD is something that will be very exciting for me personally. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's probably the like the grandest box set I have on offer in terms of TV content. But uh, enough about me, Brad. Uh, what's your uh, what's your follow up uh, to the hey. the Great Black Barrel gonna be? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is not gonna be anything quite as uh, strong as the Black Barrel. You did a good follow up with that. That was a nice set, uh, a very clean looking packaging. I like that. This one, we're not, I'm not going on in the packaging for this next one, but this is the one where I might have to have a little bit of a debate here. Hang on. Okay, I'm ready for this. Okay, take them kid gloves off. Let's have at it. So first of all. <laughs> Do you, in your collection, let's get into this first of all, do you separate your TV from your movies? Brad, please don't turn off the webcam, but no, I don't. (laughs) Okay, we're already uh, strike one. (laughs) This isn't even going to be a debate then. There's nothing to debate anymore. (laughs) Uh, Strike one, two, and three in one go. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah, we're going to have to... uh, do a little bit of reorganization over there, I think. Um, but <laughs> let's just say hypothetically you do. Let's just say hypothetically you do separate uh, as you should. Okay, as, as I should. should. <laughs> this is America, goddammit. Yeah, we were living um, in a society the last time I checked. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's yeah, let's say hypothetically you do. I think there's a few. Um, things that fall into a few gray areas so like for example a tv movie a made for tv movie let's say hypothetically you do would that go under movies or tv if, if you hypothetically did where would you put it i would put that among my movies because You're right you see it, okay you got that it, right it is a feature length therefore it is a film it's a movie you got it mm-hmm. you got it this one i think this is a bit of a it's actually not a gray area but i feel like people associate it in a gray area because I think a lot of people think of this as a movie and let me maybe you do as well I hate to break it to you this ain't no film this ain't a film this is a TV miniseries that aired in two parts and it is Stephen King's It Stephen King's It which I know a lot of people think of it as a really long movie I see tons of people logging it on Letterboxd no 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 I know people log a bunch of shit on Letterboxd that they shouldn't be logging but this one is another one that, no, it's not a film. You can check. It did air over two nights, so it is a miniseries, and that's why it goes in television. Even though it's in a single case, even though it's a single disc in a cheap uh, Blu-ray uh, recyclable case, this goes on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this one definitely... Um, I had some, uh, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, would this go under? I, I had to think about it. I, you know, I checked IMDb. I made sure it aired in two parts. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, another one, I can't remember, uh, Salem's Lot. I think that one might have been yeah. two parts as well, I think. And uh, I, I have it in TV right now, and I don't want to say 100% that it did air. I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> I did my research. I'm assuming. But that one might be even more of a gray zone. But, uh, yeah, Stephen King's It. It's a great miniseries. It ain't no film. It's not. I mean, it's not great, but uh, you know, I watched it a lot as a kid, um, and I'll, I'll say I watched it at a pretty young age. It did scare the hell out of me. You know, it was one of those things when you're a kid, and uh, there was just, uh, especially in that first part, there were some terrifying moments for kids, um, and 
so terrifying that I uh, watched it and I hung out with a couple of my cousins and I was telling them, I was like, hey, you guys. And, you know, it's like I was watching all the shit that they weren't allowed to watch just yet. I'm like, hey, you guys ever hear about it? They're like, no, what's it? And so I described it and I uh, described some scenes from it in such great detail that uh, the next time I hung out with them, I got in trouble from my aunt from uh, because my cousin was scared to go to bed. <laughs> so that either tells you how scary the miniseries is or how good a storyteller I am. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I think Tim Curry is amazing as Pennywise. I, I think he's the – I mean, I, I really do like Bill Skarsgård as well, but I, I think Tim Curry nails it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a really solid miniseries, and it's a pretty good adaptation of the book. I do think the second half is not quite as good as the uh, first half. I know that's what everybody says, and it's the same with the new It. But I got it's weird because reading the book, I love the stuff with the adults. I think in the novel – the stuff with the adults is my favorite stuff because I just love the whole, like, getting the band back together, like, reuniting after not having seen each other for so long. I just love that, you know, nostalgia for, you know, seeing old friends again. I, that's I'm a sucker for movies about that and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Stephen King. This one, I watched it at a young age, and it certainly is dated. You know, it is a TV miniseries from, like, 1990. But uh, you know, taking it for what it is, it's it's pretty solid. So I'm glad to I'm glad to own it because it's something I could go back to, you know, every so often. Yeah, frankly, I'm surprised I don't own that one because I have pretty much the same relationship to it that you do. Uh, <laughs> it, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and right down to the I don't know the telling stories about scenes from from the the TV movie. Um, my there's a family story we have about a. Uh, uh, E.T., where uh, apparently my both my brother and I just could not be taken to the theater to watch that film. Uh, apparently, we both just, like, shat our pants and started howling and screaming. Really? Like, in the in, in the opening when, like, the government agents or whatever are, like, chasing E.T. through the woods and his chest is glowing when he's agitated mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, just something about the noise and the idea of being pursued by these faceless strangers, like, just freaked freaked us both the fuck out. Only difference is my brother went in blind as a baby, and then when I think they re-released the film in theaters, my parents attempted... They still hadn't seen it at this point, and I'm four years younger than my brother. Uh, They attempted to take me and him again, and uh, he made the mistake of doing what you did to your cousins... And he told me, like, oh, yeah, in the opening, like, his chest blows open, and he pulls out, like, a ray gun, and he starts melting people's fucking faces. Now, he didn't use the F-bomb. We were both very, very young. But the point is, he he told me something terrifying was going to happen as soon as the movie started, and I, I must have just planted that seed in my head and never got away from it. So um, I don't know if my parents have ever seen E.T. front to back, because they had to leave the theater twice um, with both of their kids. But... Um, it carried such a, a reputation on the playground uh, growing up because I came out in 1990. I was three at the time, um, and it would air continuously on like cable networks and stuff over at least a decade beyond its original mm-hmm. air date. Um, and it's funny too because like like in my mind, uh, I did actually remember seeing television advertisements for it, uh, which were terrifying for a very young child. Um, but in my mind, when I when I think about that movie the reason why it's very easy to think of it as a tv movie is not just the fact that it's it's pretty fucking weak by today's standards like like it is most certainly tame 
because it was aired on you know like abc or nbc or like a major network yeah like it was meant for mass consumption um but in addition to that there's a lot of fade to blacks in the film which signify commercial breaks um which is actually kind of cozy there's something about that particular break in a in a like a viewing of something that doesn't have actual commercials in between those moments to have a scene just kind of like pew mm-hmm. um i'll never forget that. I think it was the end of the uh, the first uh, episode or first half of the series is is when uh, the was it Stanley uh, writes the word it on the on the bathroom tile in blood yeah and the the cutting back and forth between his wife's face and the wall and she's just like <laughs> and, yeah, and it it's... starts to fade to black prematurely and she's like oh <laughs> 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 that's one of my favorite moments in the whole thing. But my very favorite moment is uh, Tim Curry, of course, who's awesome, um, with the noisemaker in the library on the balcony. Yeah, um, that's amazing. <laughs> what what what? <laughs> just making all the fucking noise while the poor gut Richie is trying to talk to somebody in the library, and he's the only one that can hear it. It's it's brilliant comedy. But yeah, uh, it did have a lot of scary moments for sure. In particular. Um, Pretty much any time Tim Curry buried his teeth, um, and he had those awesome close-ups of his like like yellow eyes and his his fang teeth and stuff. But mm-hmm. the one that really stuck out to me was Belch uh, getting sucked into the tube. Um, he like he gets like bent over at an unnatural angle that requires yeah, some that's right. flexibility, and there's like a big light beaming out behind him. It's it's not a grisly effect or anything. It's just a really striking image, especially for a kid. But um, this is the point in the conversation, Brad, where uh, I'm going to have to focus a little bit towards the remakes because I'm, I'm just curious. Like, I'm, I know you most certainly reviewed those for your show, the Cinema Speak podcast, um, but it's been a long time since I listened to those episodes. Like, what was your take on the the remakes? I, I liked the first one. Uh, I mean, I I think it's the kind of the general consensus that the second one kind of shat the bed a little bit. Um, yeah, I, the first one was fun. I didn't think it was, like, amazing by any means. Um, and, you know, I like the young cast. I, it's just, yeah, the second one, I, like, way too much focus on CG. Like, I think of there was, like, a big monster creature, like a big woman or something, and it was CG, and it looked like it looked garbage. It was so, like, not scary at all. And, yeah, it, it was definitely a disappointment, and, you know, just... Because the first one was such a success, they felt the need to also have to include the kids in this one. Um, which, you know, that that's an element of the book where they're going back and forth between the two. But it just felt like uh, having to de-age the kids kind of looked like garbage. And, yeah, it was not strong. Not, not like, terrible by any means. Uh, but it was definitely a letdown. Yeah, I, I mostly agree. Um, I, I really did not enjoy that second one. I do think one strength of a lot of Stephen King's work, um, good or bad, is that it's, it's just eminently watchable. Mm-hmm. Like It's just something about his, his arrangement to his stories and his characterizations that just is very cozy. Like It's very easy to just like put on and, and kind of not completely engage with, but still kind of get some measure of entertainment from. So it has that going for it because the characters are as they're meant to be represented they're mostly faithful to to how we've seen them in the past um but there's just not enough meat on the bone in the second one and they try to replace it with 
they try to fill in it and by the way it's runtime if memory serves was oh yeah real bloated like they pad it out with just fucking noise and by the time you get to the last half hour it's just like what what are we doing guys like i know there's supposed to be a quote big spider at the end but like it didn't have to be that and and we didn't have to have it interact with the cast in that manner because uh the biggest strength uh to that first one if you ask me um because it i do actually quite like that first chapter quite a bit um with the kids um it's it's nice to look at it's edited well it moves uh, all the kids are pretty good for the most part um there's a few storytelling hiccups that's like i'm not sure if that was wise but um one thing that i really took away from that that uh, stuck with me was um, bill skarsgård being allowed to be in the room with the kids like when he gets physical with the kids it's alarming like there's Mm -hmm. that's something that you know the television movie version with tim curry tim curry's great like his his portrayal of pennywise is, is spectacular but there's certain things that Bill Skarsgård's allowed to do with a, a more intense film um, that worked really, really well. Like when, when he's teasing the kids and like putting his, his jaws over their head and like just scare the bejesus out of them and stuff. Like it, it adds a level of intensity that uh, for whatever reason, they totally discard in that second one where it's like, you know, what would make the clown more scary if he was giant and had crab pincers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, sure. Um, you know, whatever. It's also the thing where, with the length, like the first one was such a success, they were like, "Oh, we got it's got to be this huge send off." Like people loved that first movie. It, it's like all of a sudden we, we got to treat these characters so preciously. Like we have to see them as kids again. Everybody loved them as kids, and it's like, like don't you know? It'd be one if they had filmed those movies back to back, they would not have put so much uh, reverence on like every single character in there, like. It would have been a lot cleaner. I think it would have been a lot stronger. Um, but, you know, I, it's something where, like, yeah, I like thinking about it. I did only watch the second one the one time. I wouldn't mind doing them back-to-back again and just, you know, give him, giving him a poke. Um, I don't think I even own the second one on 4K, unfortunately. I think I got to pick that up. But that tells you how much I was not a fan of it, where I didn't go out and buy it, even though it's like I know I'm going to watch it again at some point. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, for real. It's like that's that's always a weird feeling to have two halves of something and one of them is in a different format than the other. I have, I have that with Creed and Creed too. And it's just like, Oh, something's amiss here. <laughs> like that, that doesn't look right. But yeah, I've seen, I've seen it chapter two twice. And, uh, the second one, it was, I like to do that with most movies anyway. Uh, the second one just reconfirmed all of the misgivings I had about it the first time. I was just like, this is, it's, it's loud. Uh, it's it just doesn't have anything going on for the most part. It's, it's very dull at times. Like it just kind of feels like the characters are farting around, waiting for the plot to catch up. Um, and it's it its tone is also just all over the place. Like there there are some bits of intended comedy that just fall utterly flat on their face. It kind of reminded me of uh, the worst film I have ever seen in a theater. Uh, that would be Frank Miller's The Spirit. Um, I, we had a situation mm. where uh, a, a good friend of mine, I was the best man at his wedding. He knows who he is if he's listening. Uh, he had this hot streak of just picking the worst fucking shit imaginable for us to go see. And uh, he, that one took the cake. That was the worst film I have ever seen in a theater, um, which I guess is saying a lot. But it reminded like it. Chapter two has some moments that reminded me of this beat uh, early on in the spirit where uh, Samuel L. Jackson 
is supposed to have this shocking moment where he like throws a he throws a fit and he chops a dude's head off and it's supposed to be like comedy because it it happens very unexpectedly and the camera works very energetic but mm-hmm. the whole theater was just like what the fuck are we doing <laughs> like nobody even breathed like like there was no reaction whatsoever and there's that bit in, in it chapter two where um what's his face gets puked on and there's like a like a 80, oh yeah. there's an 80s like like sound like there's a music cue like there's a needle drop that happens and it's just yeah. like who thought that was a good idea? Who thought who thought of that? Because they deserve to like, be fired. <laughs> it was like I will always love you by Whitney Houston or something like something in that zone where it was like trying to be like ironic, like the music was an ironic. It was like it, not funny. It was bad. It Oof. felt like Ryan Reynolds slipped into the editing room and just <laughs> and just had his his way with it for for five minutes or something. It, it was weird. But anyway, uh, the it remakes. You know, they they are what they are. I do quite enjoy that first chapter, but I think, like you said, Brad, I. Personally, I was really looking forward uh, to the idea of sticking to their guns and doing what, like, like doing kind of like the Evangelion thing, the rebu- the rebuild of Evangelion, like getting to a certain point and then maybe trying something different. Um, because that first movie is strictly centered around the kids. That's not the format of the book. That's not mm-hmm. the format of the TV series either, the, the miniseries rather. Um, I thought it would have been interesting to stick to their guns and just do the adults for the second part, but no, they they kind of revert okay. they reverted back to the format of the book after not having done that the first time out. It's it's a sign of weakness, like uh, not not necessarily weakness, more just like lack of confidence, I guess. Yeah, um, and also there's something to be said for the idea of going too big, like uh, one of the one of the weirder, more obscure examples that comes to mind is Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Where it's like I generally like Robert Rodriguez. El Mariachi is a is a fun little movie. Desperado I think is a, a phenomenal, uh, slightly larger movie. And so they decide to up the ante for the third one and do the quote epic. I think that's even how it was advertised. And it's like that was not a good idea. <laughs> like like this film is by like far and away the the least of of this trilogy. Yeah, um, and it's largely comes down to the fact that they just reached way further than they had to like it's like why why did we take on a project like this when we could have kept it simple and just had more guitars with machine guns in them (laughs) also i just i looked it up uh different cinematographer on it chapter two i I thought it was the different one i just wanted to confirm uh because the first one it is uh uh park chan wook's guy who does a lot of his films i believe um the second guy i didn't even recognize his name well, it's a considerably less visually interesting film than the first one. I'll just say that much. He's probably he's probably a TV guy, I bet. That's uh, speaking <laughs> of nice, 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 nice. Um, but yeah, that's probably more about it than than either of us had ever planned to say about it. But um, thanks for pulling that one out, Brad. It's always it's always fun for me to come back to that one. It's actually a shock to me that I don't own that disc that you have. Well, when you do pick it up, make sure you put it in your tv section well first i'd have to make a tv section make sure you make that tv (laughs) section and then put it in there well first i need to get a bigger apartment in seattle where it's a privilege to have a door for your toilet (laughs) (laughs) the pig episode folks check it out uh kyle kyle and i had a nice back and forth about the woes of living in seattle a place where i've lived all of my 34 years and now have 
now have to live here where I, I'm a proud owner of a toilet door. <laughs> yeah, as Nicolas Cage says, fuck Seattle, right? Fuck Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> I love Seattle, but at the same time, fuck Seattle. <laughs> so where do we go from here, Brad? So you had a TV movie. Uh, TV miniseries, TV miniseries. TV miniseries, thank you. It was you. a movie, you'd go in the movies. <laughs> Get it straight, bud. Get it straight. Thank you. Thank you for keeping me on track. Thank you for keeping me honest, Brad. Okay, so if we're going to be futzing with formats, uh, I may as well recall again. Uh, so this is the second time I'll be doing this. Um, this will be interesting if anybody uh, will find themselves in a position where they're getting tired of me repeating myself, because uh, I'm fairly certain I've brought this up before. Um, so, Brad, um, in the world of Japanese animation, there is something called an OVA. Um, if I say that acronym to you, does that mean anything? Um, maybe it should, because you said you're going to bring up something you've already brought up, so maybe you've already explained this to me, but I'm going to say no. Okay. Well, I most certainly have, but it's, it's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Brad. We all have day jobs. We all have other things going on, much more important yeah. things. It's not that I don't listen. It's just that I don't remember. <laughs> uh, so an OVA uh, stands for Original Video Animation. And it was a format that emerged uh, during the uh, direct-to-video boom of, uh, of like cinema, I guess. So uh, pretty much when, when VHS was gaining ground and uh, video rentals and things of that nature were, were rising to prominence. Uh, so original video animations or OVAs uh, were this thing in uh, in Japanese animation in anime where uh, it was not quite a movie, not quite a series, but somewhere in the middle. So a lot of times Ooh. it was like a forty minute bit of animation that typically had enough money and effort put into it, so the animation quality was slightly higher than the standards of like your standard twenty three minute uh, televised series. Um, they could. Uh, exist in a series format so there could be multiple episodes of an OVA um, but in general they were noteworthy for not being feature not quite being feature length having usually slightly above average animation quality and either could exist in a singular format or in a series format it's a it's a very curious thing that it's 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 slightly niche but it, it massively appealing to me because I actually like short films the idea of putting on something that's 45 minutes and looks better than something that's 23 minutes and has 25 episodes is very appealing to me because I, I like mm -hmm. quality animation in general. Um, so what I have here is a very similar to my first pick, uh, both an OVA series and uh, a television series, so a TV anime series uh, of the same property. So this is me cheating a little bit, but it wouldn't be Tales from the Shelf if Trevor didn't cheat a little bit. It's my fucking show. Back off. <laughs> so, uh, so I have here uh, purchased at Suncoast Video at the Northgate Mall for probably like 75 fucking dollars. Um, the Giver Bio Booster Armor. The Collection. Uh, so what this is is a OVA collection of 12 episodes of, I think these are roughly 30-minute episodes each, but we have two discs housed in here. Uh, so volume one and volume two. Uh, I believe there are 12 episodes in, in total. And uh, this is from Manga Video, which I believe may still exist. Uh, 
very similar to ADV, though. I wouldn't be surprised if these folks went out of business as well. But um, the Giver is something I've brought up numerous times on Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, my cousin introduced me to the manga when I was a little bit young. Uh, it's brutally violent is what I'm getting at, Brad. <laughs> um, no, um, but I fucking loved it when I was like eight or nine years old. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed reading those comics um, when I was a little kid. Um, and then I got wise to the fact that they did produce animations for this. And in fact, no less than two American live action films. Uh, so the Giver is something that's always been very, very special to me, I guess, very similar to Neon Genesis Evangelion, although this one was introduced to me at a slightly earlier age. Um, the funny thing about this OVA series is that volume one is pretty fucking good. Uh, the animation quality is quite good. The music um, by Rejiro Koroku uh, is phenomenal. Um, look up the soundtrack, Brad, if you're in the mood for some like moody orchestral slash synth stuff from the 80s. Um, very, very good. Uh, same composer as uh, Godzilla 1984. Um, his score for this is fantastic. But um, the first six episodes start out faithful to the comic and then take a hard fucking right turn out of nowhere uh, because they realized, oh shit, we don't have enough money to tell the whole story. So let's, we got to wrap this shit up. (laughs) So they just hustle to the finish line and it doesn't even properly end. It's just kind of like, let's just blow something up and call it a day. (laughs) Like they just blow up a skyscraper and it's just like, sure, that's an ending. But then I guess they had like some they had some like pocket change or something left over, so they decided to squeeze those pennies or those yen rather to make six more episodes with fucking pennies, and it's so fucking butt ugly. <laughs> like yeah. the last, the last disc of this is hideous. It's so fucking terrible. But I still watched it a lot because I like this series. But holy shit, the last six episodes of this, there's like a couple of bits where it's it's good like it's it's okay but my god beyond that it's just like is this animated i can't even weird yeah um that i mean that's that's always an interesting story behind most uh animation projects at least japanese ones anyway is uh budget is everything like yeah balancing the books is everything i didn't even talk about the end of fucking evangelion brad did i tell you about that shit because, I don't know. Did okay, you? I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a second. I need to collect my thoughts. This is me talking. Be- like, Take a the- deep breath. It's all right. It's going to be okay. So this fucking series, Brad, um, they ran out of money. They ran out of money so bad that the last episode of this television series, this 25, 26 episode series or whatever the fuck, is just a boy sitting in a chair while while like... No joke, like 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 sketch pad doodles serve as the visual elements to the animation. Really? They had no money. <laughs> they had nothing. Wow. So, so it's just let's get the voice actors in there. Maybe we can like beg them to record their lines. And then there's like a couple of minutes of legit animation, but for the most part it's just abstract horseshit. Um wow. it actually kind of works, but like if you actually read into the story behind it, the reason why the series ended that way is they had nothing. They had no money. They they couldn't even pay the rent. <laughs> Jeez. It ran out of money. Sounds like my cousin Jeffrey. All right, we're having fun here. We're having a good time. <laughs> <Hi-oh>. <laughs> Sticking it to cousin Jeffrey. 
Um, but yeah, that's why they made a movie uh, a few years after the fact is because uh, the director and the studio were like, well, you know, uh, we developed a fan base and you know what? There's demand for us to like actually make an ending. And it turns out that the ending they made was this like grossly over budgeted mess uh, that pissed a lot of people off. And in fact, like literally does say fuck you to its own audience if you squint really hard during the animation. Like there's literally like messages where it's just like, <laughs> thanks for thanks for buying a ticket asshole <laughs> shit like that anyway there's too many stories about that but anyway i said this was a twofer so it's going to be a twofer so we have on dvd on dvd uh a grossly overpriced dvd box set purchased at suncoast uh r.i.p am i right on that brad uh i don't know if we've ever had suncoast videos near me so i'm not sure okay well suncoast to me is i always think of it as the place where we didn't really have many places to buy movies um so you you went there just because that was the only option that and maybe silver platters if you're lucky i never bought any music from silver platters i bought a robocop dvd there (laughs) but um but yeah suncoast was always just like super fucking overpriced it was yeah that might be based on the name just a west coast thing suncoast that would be my guess yeah yeah it's like other like what east coast has like coconuts and just like fye and shit like that or whatever yeah, we've got a, we've got fye near me yeah Those are, that's still going i still got one near me yeah i think we have one maybe on the east side or something but yeah. F- fye never had much of a footprint out here in the seattle area but um in addition to that ova box set i have a blu-ray box set of uh a a remake series so the guyver the bio boosted armor but this is from the 2000s um, and features that gross fucking digi- slightly digital animation that just like makes me puke like just a little bit in the back of my throat every time I look at it. I, there's a reason I, I, don't, I, I just don't have as much passion for animation as I used to. Uh, it's because I just I'm not as big of a fan of the way it looks and the way it, the techniques that go into it, even though I acknowledge the craftsmanship that goes into it. Um, but yeah, this is a, a 26 episode series that still could not find its footing in telling the whole damn story so it actually like still trips and falls flat on its fucking face trying to condense it all um this series was okay um but one thing that was it also like takes some hard pivots here and there where it's just like uh whoa you're introducing characters and concepts that in the comic didn't happen until like years down the line so they accelerated things uh very radically with this 26 episode series um but animation is adequate um the big the big major bump that this one takes though in terms of its quality is the lack of gore because uh, if you've read the guyver manga and seen the ova series that's that's why that's why young trevor showed up for the guyver um and this version aired on the equivalent of like you know basic cable in japan um so it's t- it's tame it's it's considerably toned down and for me personally it was just like well it, it told me a story and i got to see some characters i like but in like in terms of like the fun firework stuff that I, I was showing up for, most of it was excised and toned down to the point that's like I didn't get a whole lot out of it. That's a candidate for one of those things that I might end up donating or, or trading in at some point. I, I watched it through once, very likely never again. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, just that whole what is it? O O V N uh, O V A uh, original O-V-A. original video animation. Yeah, that's interesting. And just the idea of just running out of budget at the end is just 
kind of like extremely interesting. It's almost like you're watching a marathon. Like, cause you know, you would think at least over here, you know, if you are having issues with budget, you would probably be, you'd be cutting corners throughout the entire series almost. It's just interesting to like blow your budget on a single episode almost. And then like, see it just like peter out at the end i don't know that's kind of fascinating i mean it happens like like i'm sure miami vice maybe had some instances where they blew up a few too many speedboats or something and we're yeah. like well we better have a lot of dialogue for the rest of the season or something like that um but uh evangelion is like a historic example of failing to to balance your books uh because um the earlier episodes in particular the animation is stellar only problem is like like you said it, it is like a marathon they they kind of exhausted their gas tank maybe prematurely so the results are great um, what we got is for the most part very very good um, but some some decisions were forced upon them in terms of the, the creative approach to, to how to how to take on the animation in the later episodes um, but yeah Guyver is just a, an example of just like shitting the bed not even halfway through the race so like oh man brad imagine like shitting your pants and where you're wearing your fucking like short shorts and you just have to keep going because it's like yeah. i just passed the halfway point there's no return i just have to keep running with dookie down my leg as someone like because you're not a huge like tv guy like mm-hmm. i'm surprised i guess maybe it was like when you watched it or at what age but like I'm surprised that like you wouldn't just like abandon ship as like the quality dips to a certain level. You know what I mean? Well, uh, in this case, uh, the first time I saw the whole thing through, uh, I saw I saw both Evangelion and Guyver, the OVA series. Uh, I saw like the first four episodes of both of them over and over and over again when I was young, and it wasn't until much later on when I was you know, like able to afford DVDs of my own that I would actually go back and rewatch the whole thing. Uh, so the second half of that Guyver uh, series, that box set, uh, was all news to me. So I was actually excited to watch that for the first time. And so <laughs> imagine my surprise when I, I finally put in that second disc with all the stuff I haven't seen. And it's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> what that's did they do to my boy? Right <laughs> Uh, yeah. What can you do? Yeah, what can you do? You know that that's that's the world of uh, I don't know franchises and and intellectual properties. You get attached to these things, and then they fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're seeing that a lot with a lot of uh, a lot of franchises, a lot of content, and uh, you know some people are they're not going to take it anymore. They go to their subreddit and they you know they go nuts. That Game of Thrones subreddit is still a dumpster fire, from what I hear. I think still so. I don't know. Fuck. I don't check it. Well, I wait. Don't give a shit. Wait, they have that uh, prequel series or whatever on the horizon, correct? Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how um, fans react to that. I guess, but <sighs> yeah, I, I guess we'll we'll be able to see quite readily like who's a super fan and who's not because uh damn i I, in recent memory i can't think of a series that like burned its bridges more harshly than that one uh by the time it reached its conclusion yeah i was talking about this with uh, my one friend it might have been in our most recent episode that's coming out in a little bit but i i maybe it was off air i can't remember but we were talking about uh dexter also uh really shit the bed in its final season and uh, they actually just brought dexter back for like a 
basically like let's fix our fuck up like limited series sort of thing um apparently some people hated that as well so that's what i've been hearing is it's like okay so you came back to fix it and you fucked us again yeah yeah. (laughs) congratulations yeah jeez oh well what can you do yeah yeah as long as you had fun along the way that's all that matters yeah, I didn't have that with uh, the Guyver, but, you know, I, it, that first half's pretty solid, though. And, yeah. And I'll always have the manga. I'll always have the comic. Um, uh, and, and also uh, uh, the second live-action film. The first one is okay. I've, I've told I've told you about it before. That that one, I think you would enjoy purely for the makeup effects. Um, the tone is just all sorts of fucky. But the second one is a legit, solid, like, mar- sci-fi martial arts spectacle film. Um, and also... Okay. Features David Hayter, aka the voice of Solid Snake in the United States, mm. in the in the leading role. Oh um, wow! So it's one of the one of the few times you get to see him on screen, and you get to see him do things like run off a cliff and say "Giver." <laughs> <laughs> good for him. Good yeah, for him. Good for David Hayter. He yeah. also wrote the Scorpion King and the first X Men, if memory serves. So, really, I didn't know that. Yeah. So in addition to being Solid Snake, he's also a screenwriter and. Uh, Giver. <laughs> he's a real renaissance man i guess wow yeah he has a beautiful head of hair too yeah uh, not something i think most voice actors can claim but yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway brad that's enough out of me and my Giver bullshit uh what you got next all right let's go let's go with this one let's go with this series here i've got i as of now i have the complete series of this there was only two seasons and uh, it is, I don't even know how to build up to this. I guess I'll just reveal it. It is The Nick, starring Clive Owen and directed by Mr. Steven Soderbergh. Mr. Stefan Soderbergh himself, who, listen, you know, I, it's like, okay, you know, you get these directors, they come in, they direct the pilot episode, they put their name on these things as a producer, and then they're gone. They take their money and run, and then there's no input from them on these shows after that point, and it's just like, what a what a ripoff. I got scammed. I'm trying to think of examples of this. I, I can't think of any examples. <laughs> there's tons <laughs> where a, direct, a famous director comes in. I'm blanking. I'm honestly blanking, but... They, they they cut and run, basically. Well, let me tell you. Steven Soderbergh, he doesn't cut and run. He directed, as if, unless I'm mistaken, and I don't think I am, he directed every episode of both seasons of The Nick. So these are essentially Steven Soderbergh, just like 10-hour films. You could almost look at it like that. Like I really like this show, and I think the and not the only reason it's worthwhile – but the main reason to watch it is because Steven Soderbergh directed every single episode, and uh, the direction in this show is amazing. Like, visually, it looks awesome for a series. There's tons of, like, striking moments. I think they do have one episode in the first season that I don't know if it was all looks like a, a, a single take, but there's, like, at least some, like, very long, like, oneers in a highlight episode. Um, and... Uh, it it just it feels like a Steven Soderbergh joint in the best way, and I honestly I gotta say in the last decade, I think he's been killing it whenever he tackles a TV series. His movie output, I have not been as crazy about, and I don't I guess I don't know it's maybe it's 
when he's got like a, a, a showrunner and a room of writers to kind of steer the ship and he just comes in and he just like puts his direction on stuff that he's not like necessarily like leading the the story elements. He's just coming in and just like stylizing things. Maybe that's what works. But I really like the Nick and his uh, show he did for HBO. It was called Mosaic. And it was interesting because it's kind of a murder mystery and you can watch it as a TV series, but they also released it as an interactive app. And it's basically like, yeah, it's basically like there's a bunch of uh, main characters and you can watch the series edited. I think it's mostly in chronological order, or you can go in this app and you can basically like, it's almost like a choose your own adventure where you can choose which characters to follow and I don't it was kind of interesting and I I remember actually kind of liking it um even though I don't think it got much of a response from people but the Nick is uh really great really uh solid cast Clive Owen is in the lead role it's about uh the Knickerbocker hospital in like the early 1900s like maybe post-world war one or somewhere around there and definitely you know it's a hospital show and it really like leans into the uh, lack of medical science, like the lack of knowledge they had back then, like some of the surgery scenes of, uh, you know, people just like digging into people and, you know, like cutting people open with just like dirty instruments. Like they really lean into that. There's some some gross stuff in here, some tough to watch sequences, but I think it's a, a really good show. And I uh, just was curious i looked this up real quick just just now um that i guess they did announce they are doing a third season of this the show was canceled and i guess they're doing a third season i don't think steven soderbergh is directing though i think he's just a producer on it um so i'm not like as intrigued i'm probably gonna watch it to be honest because i I did like the show and i wouldn't mind giving it another poke because it's i've only seen it the one time but no it's it's a Real good series. Uh, embarrassing that I still have the Best Buy sticker on there. That's embarrassing, but um, yeah, I, I I do I do like it, and definitely it has a memorable ending. I will say it, I clearly remember the ending of this series, like the big climactic moment of the second season, like the finale. Uh, it ends on a pretty high note. So yeah, if you haven't, the Nick is worth checking out. I think uh, it was a, a Cinemax show. So I think maybe that's why it didn't get like a ton of traction because it wasn't on like HBO or Netflix or Showtime. Um, I couldn't even tell you another Cinemax show, to be totally honest. But uh, yeah, the Nick is uh, it's a good it's a good series. Yeah, uh, I I think I recently heard about that for whatever reason. But I, I'm curious, Brad, uh, is that ending to the second season memorable and and solid in such a way that like it leaves you? a little concerned about continuing from that point on uh again maybe without steven soderbergh at the helm well i mean i don't want to spoil anything but let's just spoil it but but just let's just say that telling you i i can see them continuing the show but let's just say that uh some characters will not be returning okay Um, (laughs) at least i hope they won't be returning i don't know how they could Oh, that'd um, be dirty pool, man. Like, just like, hang on, yeah. they're back. What? <laughs> that was all a dream or yeah. something. Yeah, mm. I don't. It definitely the yeah the second season it ends on a pretty definitive like. I, I felt like they could have done another season, but I was kind of like, yeah, it's that's a good spot to end it. Like, so I don't know. We'll see. 
stuff like that concerns me man like i uh, like maybe it's a consequence of getting older and being being just like endlessly bombarded with these gigantic franchises which now thanks to fucking multiverse stuff like not only can not only do we have to have franchises we need those franchises to touch each other now um it, it drives me nuts um i i i value stories with ends um it's it's something that i think is is a very i don't know maybe not quite a lost art but something that i i appreciate uh, as i've gotten older i like the yeah. idea of having a having a distinct beginning and end knowing that there was a complete thought and then we're done with it because like more isn't always better sometimes it's better to just walk away on top um but i hope it i hope that the continuation measures up to the quality um because you're absolutely right like uh steven soderbergh's output especially on television has like i've heard nothing but great things about his tv work and in particular like um talk like referencing the episode that i just recover like recorded uh uh for catching up on cinema uh, one shot james nunn's one shot um i droned on and on and on about the notion of uh ambition um being readily apparent or evident um in the viewing of a film uh, that's something that i really appreciate is is watching a thing and having your logistical brain operating and like being curious about the efforts that the that the filmmakers had to go to to actually present the product that you're now enjoying um and that's something that a good friend of mine the same friend in fact uh who who put on breaking bad and batman 89 in the office all those years ago um he was he was always very very keen on soderbergh uh he was the guy that always championed him he was he was like my one friend that was like a super fan of soderbergh and one thing he always tried to hammer into my head was like one thing about this guy that like I don't care who you are, you have to appreciate is that he always strives. Like he always, he's always excited to try new things. Um, and like you said about the stylization in the Nick, it's like, maybe that's where he's at in his career where it's like, maybe he, maybe you'll get the most out of him. If you, if you have a support system in place for him and you can pull him in and make the best use of the tools he has, because he, he has the goods um, and it, it's continually amazing some of the some of the things that he some of the, like again quote gimmicks not not meant to be pejorative but like some of the styles uh, in which he approaches his films like didn't he have like a, a cell phone film uh, yep. maybe shortly after the release of Tangerine um, it looks like he's trying some new tricks with uh, that new series uh, is he behind uh, is it uh, Kimi I think. Uh, yeah i think that's a film though i think that's a a film film. okay yeah it it looked like again very very highly stylized it looks like it looks like there's some effort being put on display with that one point is soderbergh soderbergh always fucking shows up um and even if he's not like a personal favorite of mine i respect the hell out of him yeah i mean his last film was no sudden move and with that one uh, people made note of the the lenses. He was using some very old school lenses, which uh, caused some distortion on the sides of the screen. You know, just kind of like playing with that. And I think that works better in a TV format. Um, I do want to say, I just looked it up, that uh, apparently the third season, I don't know if this is going to be every episode, but at least according to what I've looked up here, at least the first episode of the third season is going to be directed by Barry Jenkins, who did Moonlight. And that's got me not as excited as Soderbergh, but I did really like Moonlight. Um, I haven't, like, seen 
a ton of his other stuff, but that's, you know, if he does every single episode of the season, I could be in on that. That, you know, that's, that's, I, and I, I found an example, Martin Scorsese and Boardwalk Empire. I'm pretty ah. sure he just came in and did the pilot, put his name on the series, and I never watched Boardwalk Empire, but I think he kind of walked away from it after that. So that you know, that's that's an example of I found. But. Okay, well, I don't think Kyle uh, watches Tale- Tales from the Shelf, um, but he would have some words for you. Uh, don't don't talk, don't speak ill of Boardwalk Empire. I'm uh, sure it's a great show. I'm just <laughs> saying that uh, you know, if Martin Scorsese actually directed every single episode, I bet you it would have been a lot of a. It would have been an even better show. I mean, no doubt, but um, yeah. from what Kyle's told me, it's it's very good overall. Uh, I haven't watched it myself, but he he has fairly aggressively uh, poked me towards it a few times here and there. So maybe maybe that's a someday for me. Yeah, uh, David Fincher, House of Cards. There's another one for you. Yeah, yeah. I I, I had forgotten that one. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, is uh, is the Nick remaining on Cinemax then? That I don't know. Uh, because good, is Cinemax um, even a thing anymore? Well, see, that's what's funny is you you mentioned you couldn't think of any other Cinemax shows, and I know there's uh, there's like a spy show or something. I can't. It's like uh, Strike Back, I think, is what it was called. I think that was a Cinemax show. Um, and then the uh, the only other one that comes to mind is one that I started to watch but uh, have yet to finish, and that was a uh, Warrior. Um, which began life on Cinemax and then I think may have been canceled and then was gobbled up by HBO. Um, yeah. And I think it's awaiting like a fourth season or something. It, it's in limbo at the moment. Because I think like uh, Cinemax and HBO are both Warner Brothers properties. So I think there is some like crossover there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember when uh, I watched the Nick, like the, the trailers, like the, uh, everything beforehand was like showing like hbo reels and i was like is this an hbo show i was like no it's a cinemax show so okay well i may have to check out the nick because uh as it as it so happens uh my girlfriend does have a medical background and she's not squeamish about you know surgery scenes and stuff like that she does like hospital television um the premise sounds very interesting to me i generally like clive owen as well um and the soderbergh factor is not to be denied so that 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 is something i should keep yeah i'll have to run that by her i'll let her know like there's a show called the nick and it has some surgery and mustaches it's got uh (laughs) andre howland in it he kind of took off a little bit i think he was in moonlight he he took off a little bit his uh stock has risen uh bono's daughter is in this if you're a u2 fan his daughter is in this in a lead role i mean just a stacked cast okay okay (laughs) well anyway uh I guess that was the Nick. Uh, so, um, what am I gonna pick to compliment the Nick? Shit. Um, okay, I think I have a good pick for that. Um, Grey's Anatomy. You know, uh, I don't know how often the girlfriend listens to the show, but she's got a real problem with that show. Oh really? <laughs> oh yeah. She watches a lot of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, she's got a problem, isn't she? She enjoys it too much. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, she yeah. She's she's got a bad habit. Um, she hates. Same with my she, girlfriend. She she hate watches it though. Like she okay. She, we we uh we refer to it as Doritos, where it's just like this is just I'll, like this is not substantive in the least, but it gets you through to tomorrow. Um, I don't know uh, the, if... <laughs> the little the little bit I've watched of it. It's I mean it's trash, but there is something about it where it's kind of like 
I, I mean, I'm glad I don't, but I'm like, I could see if I actually tried to watch this, I probably would get addicted to it and just want to just like, like you said, hate watch it. Yeah, I, I, I have seen a couple of episodes like a long time ago. I, I couldn't tell you what what season it was from, but it has a format to it that I think is its biggest strength. Yeah. Um, is very like very similar to Stephen King stuff. Stephen King adaptations. It's, it's very cozy. Like I, I was teasing the girlfriend about the the format to a Grey's Anatomy episode. It's like I can actually just like I can I can just like leave the room and just like say now when the when the when the music cue will hit and we'll start the mopey montage. But then yeah. there'll be like a an upbeat montage partway through. Then there'll be the bouncy fun music when somebody's befuddled. Um, then some people will irresponsibly fuck in the hospital at some point, and then we'll ha- we'll conclude with another mopey music cue. And so it's like I, it's like it. it's like fucking clockwork. But again, if if you're just wanting a warm blanket uh, to curl up with, it's not the worst thing. It's it's no. just like having a slice of pie, like shitty yeah. pie, you know, <laughs> like grocery you you. grocery store pie, not not like grandma's pie, just shitty grocery store pie. 7-Eleven hot dog. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, uh, so uh, the only thing I have here that could possibly complement your uh, The Nick uh, is something that I've been super up on and I'm actually really, really, really excited to conclude because uh, I have yet to finish watching this, but I'm in the midst of it. I'm like three episodes away, um, and this was finally the series that I started watching with a girlfriend because we've been looking for a show. Because uh, we we realized we've been dig- we've been together a really long time, but we we don't have a show. We don't watch long form things together. It's like that seems to be like a a constant thing with other long term relationships. It's like you got to have some some shit that you just put on and binge it from time to time. But anyway, I have here uh, Gangs of London on Blu-ray. Bam! <laughs> hey, my boy! You knew it was coming. I knew, yeah. Well, as soon as you said, because I think you mentioned that in your last episode, I was oh, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." I got, I got, I got to pull this off the shelf. I know this one's coming. Oh yeah, no, I mean, it shows how often I bring up shows on the show. Is like I very seldom watch series. It's just not something I do very often. But yeah, Gangs of London, and I think it's telling that it says season one here on the slipcase. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was only just confirmed that there's just going to be a second season, so that was bold on their part. Um, but yeah, the reason I picked this one is because uh, Gareth Edwards um, is associated with this. So that would be the director of the uh, the Raid films. Um, and he, I don't know how many episodes of this he directed. He most certainly did the first episode. Um, but beyond like full episodes, I believe he also directed a lot of the action sequences, of which there are many absolutely brilliantly constructed action beats uh, throughout the throughout this meager 10 episodes of television something which some people would scoff at for me personally i was like oh thank you sir like like thank you for making it only 10 episodes it's like for me that's very appealing like to to know that i only have to commit 10 hours of my life to to this thing um but yeah this had been sitting on my shelf uh for at least a year maybe even longer um i was super hyped for it when i first heard it announced I didn't have access to it right away because I think it was on. It's it says it's on AMC, but I think it was like British AMC or something. I think it was just AMC in the U.S. I think they had this rights in the U.S. Basically, okay. yeah. See, I didn't have access to AMC when it came out, so I was I was like 
frothing at the mouth waiting for this blu-ray to come out because I, i'm very up on this director i think i think he's massively talented and again ambitious as well and it shows um so when i heard he was doing a series with a lot of talented people that i really like joe cole in particular um i'm really up on this guy i haven't seen him in that much but every time i've seen him he's been very varied in his approach like he's never just done the same thing twice in a row and uh, he has a he has a quality to him. I, th- I think he's going to go on to really big things. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I've watched seven episodes of this, and holy fucking shit. Uh, they, their openings and their endings. Like, say what you will about the middle portion of the show. Like, I'm sure there are people out there on the internet, on the Reddit and whatnot, who are like, oh, it was boring. I didn't really get into it in the middle part. But it's like, fuck you, man. The way that shit opened and ended, like, I know that's cheating when it comes to television format. In fact, that's a lot of times one of my biggest complaints about series format things is like in order to convince people of the quality of your product sometimes that's all you have to do is just have a solid opening and ending to every episode but fucking hey man <laughs> like shit the some of the shit they do in the show it's just like master class kind of stuff in terms of like tension building and just intense brutal filmmaking and just the the choreography of some of the action beats is truly creative, incredible stuff that has me just like super excited uh, for his next project, which uh, is called Havoc. Um, I'm not sure if it's positioned to be coming out 2022 or 2023, but it's uh, it's like neck and neck with uh, John Wick 4 Hagakure uh, in my book as far as most anticipated on the horizon. Uh, Havoc with uh, starring Tom Hardy from the director of the Raid films. Uh, and seeing what this director can do with with a Western or quote Western British stunt team as opposed to an Indonesian one, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm super hyped. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been very very impressed with this show. Uh, I'm very excited to conclude it. In fact, uh, I just got back from vacation with a girlfriend, and we both like were really bummed that we had to put our viewing experience on hold. Uh, to go off and have a good vacation it's like oh man i have to go have fun with the family <laughs> it's like i want to know what happens in gangs of london next <laughs> these vacations these holidays they get in the way of what i really want to do and that's just consume content got it got to get on that backlog boogie <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. i don't have time i don't have time for you family <laughs> it's like i got some watching to get in um, but have you uh, have you cracked yours open yet brad yeah, I did. I actually, well, first of all, I guess I can thank you for this purchase. Um, you did not purchase it for me, no, but uh, you... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. We were, we were doing a uh, um, monthly Blu-ray episode, yeah. and this came out on Blu-ray, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, I'm kind, of, uh, I'm kind of intrigued by that, and I can't remember if I knew uh, that it was directed by, uh, is it Garrett or Garrett? See, I always fuck this up. Because there's two of these Gare guys, yeah. And, um, one of whom is Welsh. I think that's this one. Uh, so it's the guy who did 2014 Godzilla and the guy who did the Raid films. It's yeah. it's like Gareth Edwards and like Garrett something or other. Garrett I, I, Evans. I Garrett think, right? Evans. Yeah, I get the I get the that's two of them. That's way too similar. I know. I get them confused all the time, and it pisses me off. Does he even yeah. say on the back here? Like what? Why would you not put his name on here? Yeah, that, that is some bullshit. I'm gonna have to look this shit up uh, because but, yeah, yeah, I, I mix I that up all the time. I don't know if I knew that it was directed by him or not, but uh, when we brought it up in the Blu-ray episode, I was like, "Oh, let me check it out." 
And uh, my parents still have cable, so I was able to log into AMC. Oh, cool. And it was still on there. And uh, I started watching it, and it just my luck that, like, within, I don't know, I think I made it through the first four episodes, and then it was removed from AMC. Like, you, then you had to pay for the their premium AMC. You couldn't just use your cable login. So I was like, well, shit. And I was like, I, I do like this show, and I think it was episode five or whatever episode it was, the the farmhouse one. You've seen the farmhouse. I have. And I kind of like I was like that's I've heard that's a big one and I was like Man, I really I do really want to see that. It's like if I had seen that episode maybe I would have been like all right I I don't need to buy it on Blu-ray but it's like fuck that's the one everyone is like that's the one so I'm like yeah shit I got even though I've already watched half of it so I'm basically paying for half the episodes I ended up buying it um, and yeah I I do like it a lot I kind of think unfortunately uh the second half of the season is weaker than the first so i ended up paying for the <laughs> the lesser uh, half of the season but yeah I, I mean i think uh the action is awesome really uh you know intense and well choreographed and violent and uh you know the story it it's not the greatest but uh the performances are pretty solid and yeah like you said Pretty much all the episodes start and end on strong notes, and that's enough to keep me going through it. And I, I did watch the whole thing, and yeah, it, it's solid. I think it's to its benefit that it's only ten episodes because it, it they play with the format uh, from episode to episode such that um, you can tell there's like a thesis statement behind each and every episode where there it's like we're gonna try to do this or we're gonna change up the style for this or we're going to change the POV for this one. And because it's only 10 episodes, it doesn't come across as, like, flimsy. It comes mm-hmm. across as, as very cohesive in, in its in its intricacy and, and its di- diverse of, like, qualities. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to finish it. Um, actually, uh, it's funny. I, I can't remember the name of your, your buddy, one of your co-hosts, who had uh, coined the phrase, in my mind anyway, of uh, action blindness. Yeah. <laughs> That's Charlie, yeah. Charlie, okay. So Charlie, uh, if you're listening and or watching, hopefully watching, because your buddy Brad is uh, showing off his wares. Uh, this is his showcase time for the stuff. Sup. Yeah, what's <laughs> up, Charlie? <laughs> Hit the big time on YouTube. Five <laughs> views, including you. <laughs> um, action blindness. Actually, uh, while I was watching an episode of Gangs of London, um, it got me thinking, like, Maybe it'd be fun to stage an intervention for him and just like exhibit some action scenes and and walk him through what makes this a quality action sequence, mm-hmm. like as opposed to just like your ordinary punch up sequence or whatever. Because uh, in particular, I'm thinking of uh, there's the uh, the fight in the apartment complex involving a fire axe for a good portion of it. That's good, yeah. yeah. It's exceedingly well executed, and a lot of it comes down to um, like the Jackie Chan school of of action choreography, where it's like uh, you survey your surroundings and uh, make use of every every element in the room. Um, and moreover, uh, if there's going to be a deadly instrument in the room, uh, maybe remind your viewer uh, util- utilizing fucking filmmaking of the dangers of that object. Like continually frame that object in such a way that oh, you don't want that to be near that guy. Like, that's bad. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, in the world of filmmaking, people fucking forget that. That, you know, fire axes is dangerous. <laughs> like, sharp knives are dangerous. Just stay away from those. But, like, 
sometimes like they just don't get it right but in terms of the action choreography of for a lot of the scenes in uh in gangs of london uh there's also uh, I think another axe fight earlier in the series that very similarly treats treats it like a truly deadly object that you by by all means you must keep away from you. Um, and a lot of it comes down more to just like sheer filmmaking ability than than like athleticism on the part of the performers. Um, so yeah, I, I just thought that was funny the timing of that because that was around the time I was watching those episodes and I. I retain that 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 little mind worm of a uh, action blindness <laughs> yeah yeah we need to stage an intervention on him at some point yeah you know like i said if you need help getting your buddy on track like breaking like breaking that action blindness you know i'd be happy to help you with that yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking out for you charlie <laughs> yep <laughs> okay well um by the way a uh, gareth evans so i'm pretty gareth sure i said evans. that wrong i'm pretty sure i said gareth edwards it's gareth Evans, and I'm pretty sure the Godzilla guy is Garrett Edwards. I, I, I hate that I like both of them. And, yeah, and, and they, they they just I always fuck it up. Always. So, yeah. Apologies. I like I really do admire both of you. If you at all, if you're fucking listening. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's enough out of Gangs of London, which again I hope to finish watching soon. Uh, what would your uh, next pick be, Brad? Oh, let's go with this. Let's go with this one. This is, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this one, you know, you host a podcast. I host a podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. Listen, I don't want to go off on, you know, plugging other people's podcasts on this, but I have to preface this by saying that this series is directed by a co-host of a podcast that I listen to, um, which, uh, you know, I've been listening to podcasts for years the guy is a filmmaker, and he's done a bunch of small films. He's a documentarian. He does documentaries. And uh, this series came out, and it was kind of his – it's not like big time, but it was cool to see somebody from a show that I've actively listened to for so long. And it's not like a hugely popular show. Um, it was cool to see him finally you know, kind of break into the mainstream in some regard. Um, the podcast is the Film Junk Podcast. And the guy who directed it is Jay Cheel. And uh, the film is, well, the, the series, excuse me, is Cursed Films, the Shutter series, which is a documentary series. I believe it is six ep- or five episodes. And it is uh, exploring the idea of cursed films, as the title would suggest. So it goes into Poltergeist, The Omen, The Exorcist, The Crow, and Twilight Zone, the movie. All uh, movies where bad things have happened and people have circulated the idea of, is there a curse involved because a series, so much bad stuff has happened surrounding these films. And uh, first of all, I, I love uh, Jay Cheel's aesthetic, his direction aesthetic. I, I think he, I, me and him, like just the idea of like whenever he reviews a movie, a lot of time our opinions are in line. So I can tell me and him have somewhat similar tastes um and you know you could think like this could be a series kind of in bad taste like here's people that have died and is it you know like tabloidy to say oh is there a poltergeist curse because the young girl tragically died and the the other daughter was murdered and da 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 and they are well aware of that and i think like 
not to spoil like the thesis statement for the this five episode season, but you get to the end of this, like if you watch all five episodes, it's clear that the filmmakers are saying that these curses, there's no curses. This is just tragic shit happens, and we live in a world where it's hard for us to just like accept the fact that yeah, sometimes tragic shit does happen. And so we like try and like put these curses on films because it actually makes us feel better to think like, oh, you know, this actress wasn't just randomly murdered. It's got to be some curse. There's got to be something else to it. And it's like, no, she was just randomly murdered. And nope, she just got sick and died. It's like, you know, shit happens. Um, and I think, uh, you know, where it goes is actually pretty, uh, you know, it, it goes into an emotional place, especially like uh, with the Twilight Zone, the movie uh, segment which of course is like just horrendous how that happens. Um, and they, I forget who it is. If it's like a, a, a second unit director, they, they direct or they, they interview somebody in, involved with the film. I, maybe it was the DP or obviously John Landis doesn't uh, make any comments on I would camera in not. this, but <laughs> they do, they do uh, interview some people who are, you know, they get some pretty good interviews. Like they have uh, the director of Poltergeist Three, oh, okay. um, who obviously worked with um, I forget the young actress's name, but that was Carol her. Ann was the character. Yeah, though. yeah, her last project. Yeah, before she passed, and I guess I think it was on the podcast. They like he was very upfront about how they contacted this guy, and he was like, "Oh, we want to interview you for a movie we're making called Cursed Films," and the director was like pissed like he was like that's fucked up like fuck yeah. you but and they basically he had to like convince him like no this is what this is what we're doing and he you know so it, it's uh you know interesting how it goes in that angle and i think uh from what i've heard some people were like a little you know upset about that like why is it going off into these tangents and you know blah, 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 blah. but uh yeah i think it's it's a great series uh they they are doing a second season I don't totally know how they're going to follow it up or what films they're going to uh, um, tackle, but it's been interesting hearing him on the podcast talk about, you know, traveling internationally. And I've been trying to figure out based on where he's like, you know, going to interview people. And I, I have no idea what the, the films are going to be, but it's really good uh, series. Honestly, probably my favorite thing, like favorite shutter original series. Um, not that there's been a ton of those, but definitely worth watching, um, especially if you're uh, a movie fan. It's it's really well done. Yeah, uh, I remember when that was announced. Um, Jay Cheel, you said, was the director? Yep. Um, I actually am not familiar with the podcast or, or the man himself, but uh, I may have to change that because uh, uh, that's really neat. Uh, I, I know what that feels like to, to have, like, a, a personality, like, like, floating around out there, like, across the Internet that you – you know, you kind of latch on to, and it's really fun to, to watch them grow and, and change and, and actually kind of hit the mainstream. Like that's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like watching like a, like a up and coming, like athlete or something where it's like, I've been watching this kid since, since he was nobody. And it's like, I, it's like, it's like you in your first edition barrel where it's like, yeah, exactly, I don't have yeah. none of that second printing horse shit. I got my first edition barrel. I'm a true fan. So you're a true fan of Jay Chiel. Uh, so that's really cool that you you got to experience that, and uh, that's even cooler that they got a second season. Uh, mm -hmm. I'd be curious to know what films they're covering, though, because what's interesting about that is that um, 
the stuff that you said, like maybe some people would be critical of, like the quote tangents uh, in those episodes, uh, personally would be why I would watch that, uh, yeah. because I I do know the background of all of those films, with the exception of the Omen. Like I I, I know a lot of the grim details, like about the like the I don't know the, the quote curse surrounding a lot of those productions i know i know most of it like i've done independent research i've i've you know read articles and whatnot over the years uh not anything i went like did like deep dives on but just things you hear about things you you learn about over the course of watching a lot of movies and stuff but um those interviews and those again quote tangents would be the would be the things that actually make make the product worthwhile to me because i already know about all the deaths and all that stuff it'd be those interviews that would really be fascinating for me to see but yeah um yeah oh, i remember when i heard about that and actually that was like uh, i i have yet to have a shutter subscription but when that was announced that was one of the the projects that i was like oh uh, i'm legitimately very interested in this so I'm, I'm very curious what that second season will look like yeah i'm sure they're gonna like they're not just gonna go and like throw the idea of the first season out the window and just be like all right well here's five more movies that are supposedly cursed like even though like we basically said curses aren't real like so it'll be interesting to see what they how they come at it from a different direction um but yeah i'm excited to see how they do that and yeah like they got you know some solid interviews like they interview linda blair um is it uh i think it's richard donner who did uh the omen i want to say directed that friedkin Um, uh was uh, Exorcist, but he uh, was the Exorcist. But yeah, I don't think they I think it was him. Donner. I think it was Donner who did. Yeah, uh, they the interview Richard Donner. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they get some like pretty for uh, like a Shutter documentary series. Like they get some pretty you know solid interviews. I think they interview uh, Kane Hodder at some point. Yes. Um, <laughs> fucking yes. <laughs> which <laughs> Why I mean, not? I, yeah, he's, he's probably he'll be he'll probably interview for anything. I don't think it, it's probably well, not that hard. To what's get what's in, cool but. about Kane Hodder is he's a great interview. Like he has mm-hmm. a great energy to him, and like you, like you said, like that's part of what makes him fun is that he, I think he just he's open to talking to anybody about pretty much anything. Like yeah, I mean for fuck's sake, man. Like his his uh, story about being set on fire and and like continuing to do fire gags throughout the remainder of his his life it's like man i don't think he has anything to be afraid of (laughs) going forward it's like it's like i don't care what i say to anybody anymore it's like i've been on fire motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) no no so yeah the, the, the series is definitely worth uh worth checking out yeah, no. Uh, if I if and when I, I presume when uh, I I get a sh- shutter subscription for forever how for however long that lasts, um, that would be probably one of the first things I check out because that did mm-hmm. catch my eye early on, and it does sound like a very interesting concept, um, especially if it's done tastefully. Um, I'm curious though, like, do you have any tidbits about the the omen? Because that's the one. Uh, among those five that i i don't actually know any uh, any bad details about yeah there were some deaths associated with it i think somebody involved in the film i can't remember who but uh there was like a car they got in a car accident during production and died there was something where i think i forget who was on the plane but something with a actor or something or maybe it was the director on a plane and the plane getting struck by lightning and nearly crashing um so there's there was a handful of stuff with the omen thing, um, yeah. I think uh, I think the poltergeist one that maybe is like in terms of curses, it might be the most famous in terms of the curse. I think that yeah. one 
it might be the best single episode because it's kind of, it kind of like it like puts the whole series like the idea of it all in one episode the idea of throwing out like these are the things that people say are why it's cursed and they specifically have that director of poltergeist 3 who gets very emotional and just basically says like there is no curse and you know it's yeah. just a tragic that this young woman this one young girl died um so yeah it's, it's yeah it can, it's a little emotional it's you know of course like you know some chat, sad shit happened yeah <laughs> I, I think it's very valuable that they got that interview too um because uh I remember seeing a television special about like the same concept dedicated to the Poltergeist series. So it's well-trodden ground at this point, even in a series format. Yeah. Um, so it's good that they're able to get some new content to, to spice it up a little and, and present something new. Um, and also just having like somebody who is actually there for it uh, available to interview would add, add some depth, uh, some additional layers uh, to the content. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I very well, may check that out whenever i end up uh finding just the right excuse to pick up a shutter subscription um well time will tell what that excuse will end up being but i'm I'm waiting for it i'm keeping my feelers out there for for like that that big that big title that drops on shutter that's like well i guess i'm getting shutter (laughs) yeah it'll it'll be there for you when you're ready it'll be there I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I don't know what the health of the Shutter service is these days, but like what mm-hmm. their fan base or subscriber base is like these days. But I hope they're doing well because seems like they seems like they provide a, a really important service because there's a lot of horror heads out there, and yeah, and, you know they they need their own streaming service. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, Brad, uh, you want this? You want this to be my last one? Or are you good for one more round? Yeah, we could probably cap it off with this last one, yeah. Sounds good, bud. Um, so, uh, what's it going to be? Uh, you know what? I'm going to just take it easy. Uh, I've, I've run out of steam when it comes to, like, ranting and raving about prestige titles, so we're, we're just going to ease into the hot tub and take it easy uh, for this last round here. So... Um, I have here, uh, as is customary, Trevor's going to cheat because that's what he does. Uh, I have here a stack of um, first season discs and then just one second season disc. And the reason why I say it in that tone is because this shit pisses me off, Brad. Um, you you know this feeling. Uh, you know this feeling quite well where uh, distributors just kind of fuck you like real bad Um so for like physical media collectors like Brad and I, you know, the hope is that, you know, if if something exists on a streaming service, one would hope eventually it would exist in a physical format in its entirety. Right? Well, you know, sometimes they don't make it to the finish line. Sometimes they give you just a little taste, just a little taste to get you hooked, and then they fuck you in the eye socket with an ice pick. <laughs> <laughs> so I have here um all of the official uh that's that's important to note official um so these are not bootlegs these these are available in bootleg format like on ebay and stuff i'm not sure the quality of those i've never purchased any of them i've considered it at at one time or another but i these are all official discs uh so these are all official blu-rays of uh the marvel netflix shows Oh yes, and these are the oh, the only yes. ones that exist in the official format. 
So we have Daredevil 1 and 2, we have Jessica Jones, we have Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. Only Daredevil has a Season 2 box set, and it's a small box set. It's not a box, it's a fucking case. Only, it's the only one to have a second season, and guess what? Every one of these has a second, and maybe even a third season on Netflix, which I don't have. <laughs> which means for a very long time, this was all I fucking got. And you know what doubly fucking sucks? Daredevil's really, really good. And you know what? The third season's really fucking good. And you know what I haven't seen more than once? the third season because i don't have netflix <laughs> so um yeah uh, these these are the beginnings of a collection that you know one would hope it has the marvel brand on it you would expect you know merchandising why not yeah. space balls the flame thrower daredevil the flame thrower the kids love it no this is it this is all we got and i presume all we're gonna get um and in fact the worst one of them iron fist is like what german or british or some shit i think it's british <laughs> this is an import you see this we don't have this in america these, <laughs> these eight these colorful 18s that ain't american <laughs> so i went out of my way to buy that horse shit i'm surprised for that one you went out of your way to import like is this like were you like intentionally because i think you said iron fist is like the least of the marvel shows right is that the consensus for you as well uh i'm inclined to agree with that yes yeah yeah like was this a statement where you were like you guys aren't gonna release them on fucking physical media i'm gonna buy every single fucking one you do release just to prove like like was that a statement well this this was this was single trevor this was not relationship trevor this was this this, yes this was not relationship george not relationship jerry this was single trevor this was sweatpants trevor yeah (laughs) so sweatpants trevor did not have access to netflix in the slightest like not even a little bit relationship trevor occasionally can like sneak in like little 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 episodes here and there from netflix using using utilizing the relationship account but sweatpants Mm -hmm. trevor if he wanted to keep it, if you wanted to keep tabs on the Marvel shows on Netflix, um, he had to wait for for these boxes and whatnot. Uh, so for the most part, I was watching these shows just via these discs, not gotcha. via the streaming service. And then I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and they just kind of gave up. Um, I think these fell prey to the uh, Disney Plus uh, looming over the horizon because these started to be released several years in advance of of disney plus but at some point you know netflix and disney parted ways um disney plus was probably brewing behind the curtain um at which point i'm guessing like netflix and abc studios um was uh, probably probably some form of legal action was was uh threatened where it's like you you got to cut this shit off because we're about to have a streaming service where we're going to have control of all of this stuff. Um, in fact, actually, I haven't checked, Brad. Do you know if these shows have migrated yet? I don't think so. I think yeah, they're still yeah, on Netflix. I, I don't know what the deal is, but I, as far as I understand, they're still on Netflix. Um, but yeah, in in terms of like physical format, as far as I know, that, that this was the extent of it. Um, kind of like a, the the hope, and it, it's... It's not going to happen. Like, the hope is that we get, like, a, what, a Vestron situation where, like, there's this lull, and then it's like, <gasps> it's back. <laughs> it's like, maybe, 
I, I seriously fucking doubt it. But um, what bums me out is that at the very least, I would like to own all of Daredevil uh, because I have watched it through multiple times except for that third season. And like for a couple of years now, I've, I've really been having a hankering to revisit it because I really did enjoy it. I, I just only had one crack at it. Um, and to be honest, I haven't finished Jessica Jones. I, I think I eventually got around to watching the second season via the girlfriend's Netflix account. Um, Iron Fist, I remember hearing that they didn't even make a complete second season. It was that bad that they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to break our Netflix rule. And instead of giving you 13 episodes or whatever, like we normally do, i.e. like five episodes more than you need. Um, instead, we're just going to say, fuck it. You don't get any more money. Give us eight episodes or whatever. And you're done. You're like, mm-hmm. Danny Rand, go home. <laughs> just get out of here. Just pack up your jumpsuit and get the fuck out of here. Nobody likes you. Um, but yeah, this really bummed me out that uh, I, I spent quite a bit of time like waiting, hoping that uh, I'd be able to finish this project, this collection. But no, uh, I, I guess that's the extent of it. And there's quite a bit that was never printed on disc. Um, it's kind of a bummer. And uh, by the way, The Punisher doesn't exist at all. Like, not even the first season. And, oh, yeah, there's also The Defenders, which is supposed to be, like, the Avengers equivalent of all these shows that I just showed off. Only one season, again, less than 13 episodes, doesn't exist in disc format as far as I understand. So, like, imagine that. Imagine that with, like, the other, like, Marvel films. Imagine we have, like, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Captain America, and then The Avengers. Imagine not printing a disc of the Avengers after all of that built up like that's such a big fuck you to anybody who might care and it's not even like these are great like I'm not defending the quality of it it's just the principle of the matter if you start yeah. a fucking thing fucking finish it you know because some people care yeah I mean I-, I could see potentially like I don't know who would control the home video rights now for the like I don't know if it's like with Netflix and Disney, I don't know who's like actually got rights for that, but I could see, you know, potentially, especially Daredevil, uh, you know, Disney, I mean, Daredevil's hot right now. I don't want to say anything more than that, but Daredevil's hot right now. So (laughs) I could see maybe them, you know, potentially bringing that person back for some thing. And maybe they say, Hey, let's put out all three seasons if they if they get the home video rights to it, I could see them now. Uh, like you know, Luke Cage season two, Iron Fist season. I don't think uh, mm. I don't see that happening. But no. Daredevil, I could see somehow that I I would say all hope is not lost on that one. Yeah, uh, if I'm being totally honest, like that's the only one that I I quote need. Like like that's the only one that legitimately like hurts me to not have access yeah. to on Blu-ray is Daredevil. Like the other ones, it's like it's more just like that completionist itch that we all get from time to time. It's like yeah, it's, it sucks, but at the same time, it's like I, I'm not losing sleep over not having Iron Fist season two. Like yeah. <laughs> like fuck that. But um, but yeah, Daredevil season three at the very least would be really nice. And although maybe the Punisher. I don't know. Unfortunately, I, although I do have to say, uh, I don't think any of Disney Plus's Marvel series have been released on physical media. No, uh, as of yet, they have not. Yeah, even uh, Mandalorian, I don't even think is uh, on f- Blu-ray. I don't think. I think so. you're right. I, I haven't been keeping tabs, but uh, I think you're right. 
Um, Yikes. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Agent Carter on, like, ABC or whatever, I know those have had releases in the past. Yeah. Uh, those were, you know, television series, not streaming service. But, yeah, I think Disney Plus is, like, pretty locked down for the time being. And with we'll their uh, their movie club thing, with their, their older live-action films, um, and, like, kind of the not-so-great presentation of their, their discs as of late, Disney really does kind of be seem to be leading the charge in terms of like phasing out uh physical media it's kind of scary because they you know they wield the biggest fucking stick so that's uh that's danger uh for folks like brad and i who give a shit about you know yeah fucking iron fist season two (laughs) why you gotta buy now buy now and don't regret it because you could own the i mean just think the world could end and you could own the last copy of a movie it's possible yeah, it, it could I'm be possible. We're doomsday prepping right now. <laughs> not like our grandfathers. Not not collecting spam and baked beans and stuff. No, we're hoarding movies. Yeah, we're preserving art. We're preserving art and holding out hope that the apocalypse will allow us to keep our laser fucking optical players <laughs> and our LCD screens intact. <laughs> we'll figure will, something out. There will be power sources, readily available power sources and lasers. Lasers, as far as the eye can see in the post-apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> We're holding out hope, folks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's that's about all I got in terms of, like, picks uh, this time around. Not a whole lot of picks, uh, but a lot of chit-chat. So a lot of good yeah. conversation, Brad. So this oh, was, yeah. This is good. We always do good work uh, on Tales from the Shelf. But, um... As is customary, folks at home, uh, we will wrap things up uh, with uh, what we like to call a speed round. Essentially what this entails is uh, just uh, Brad and I kind of gathering up our uh, runner-ups and just kind of like zipping through them. We're not going to talk at length, but we're just going to trade turns uh, exhibiting uh, some of the runner-ups that we may have set aside uh, for this discussion. Uh, So, um, Brad, would you like to go first or do you need some time to collect your thoughts? Yeah, I got them all here. I can uh, kick it off quick. Okay, uh, go for it. And these are this is in all my TV. I still got some over there, but these were just the ones I pulled off the shelf. Um, we've got uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story, great miniseries. I'm not like the biggest Ryan Murphy fan, but he did not write this series. He was only like a director and a producer, and I think the cast nailed it. Really, uh, great season to that show. Um, I mentioned it in another. Uh, episode we did of this, but I've got all three seasons of The Leftovers, uh, which is one of my favorite shows. I'm a huge Damon Lindelof fan, and uh, The Leftovers highly recommend. We've got, very uh, topical in the last week, The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst. R.I.P. to Robert Durst, or should I say R.I. not in peace, because he was a murderer. Um, and this is a fascinating true crime documentary series about uh, his life and his murders and the fact that he was willing to sit down and get interviewed on camera about that is pretty astonishing. And if you, if you don't know how this ends, you got, I mean, do you know how this ends? Like the final, like the big gotcha moment at the end? I think I might. Um, I it's may, amazing. I, I may be mixing up my memories of, of people talking about the ending of that Um but I think I I know what you're talking about. It's got to be it's got to be one of the best like endings of a documentary series like ever. Like it's it's so like what are the like how could that happen? It's crazy. Um, we've got all three seasons of Hannibal, 
which uh, I am a pretty big fan. Like, I love Hannibal Lecter, just like the franchise and the character, and I, I like the show quite a bit. Um, I think it gets better as it goes. The first season is maybe a little too procedural, but I kind of like that it starts that way and eventually grows out of it. And then uh, last thing is I have... Sounds like i got some loose discs in this one. I think it's just Uh-oh. Cheap, cheap, it's, I think it's just the cheap the cheap packaging. Um, I've got Twin Peaks, the uh, complete collection, and uh, that is all the seasons of the show, and I've also got um, just Twin Peaks, uh, The Return, which I bought before this. So I, I had this one, and then I, I bought this one after the fact. So I've got... I have two copies of Twin Peaks to return, essentially. But, um, yeah, at Twin Peaks, I mean, anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge lynch head. So, no surprise I've got that. Yeah, I was about to say, for, for someone like Brad, not not unexpected. Like, yeah. Like, that's kind of, you know, that's that's par for the course. But, um, damn, that that is uh, high on my to-do list, uh, is that... Is that Twin Peaks: The Return? Because I, I think it was you uh, on on the Cinema Speak podcast. I think you, I think you referred to it as like the best movie. Like like on a technical level, it's like if you think of it as a movie, it's the best movie you saw that year. Basically, yeah, it would have been my number one movie of that year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you could like edit them all together into just like one long piece, then mm-hmm. yeah, I've I've heard nothing but great things about it, and I. I I really did enjoy Twin Peaks. I did take it upon myself to watch uh, those first two seasons uh, several years back. Um, and even the second season that some people, you know, sometimes it's critically derided from time to time. I I found enough good in there that I didn't walk away from it unhappy, especially mm-hmm. it helps that David Lynch did come back for, you know, the conclusion of it to, like, right the ship, essentially. But, yeah, um, yeah Twin Peaks of Return is very high on my to-do list. And that uh, O.J. Simpson cover is stunning uh, it is it's a good cover yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the packaging yeah. on this it's money yep. uh, <laughs> so yeah some yeah. good picks there brad Very oh awesome. thank you thank you yeah yeah yeah. okay uh so uh what do i got here so i will spare you the mountain of Ultraman, uh, because good fucking god, I have far more Ultraman in my collection than any grown man ought to. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not going to display that on camera. Maybe if there's demand, there won't be demand. Uh, <laughs> I'll show it at a different time. But um, no, I'll uh, I'll just show off my wares, with the exception of the mountain of Ultraman which is roughly the size of a small child. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we got here uh, the first season of Exo Squad, uh, which was a Fox Kids animated television show uh, from the 90s uh, that my brother and I both were really, really into. I stumbled across this disc at a used bookstore, and I purchased it for my brother. Um, he ended up watching it and having a, a fun bit of n- nostalgia uh, coming back to it, and they promptly gave it back to me. Because uh, he's not big on having things in his home. Uh, He doesn't have a movie collection the way I do. But um, this show was great. Um, Unfortunately, this uh, says season one on the cover. And as far as I understand, um, no subsequent discs were published. So much like my Netflix, my Marvel Netflix shows, um, I don't think this ever has existed in its entirety uh, on DVD or Blu-ray. 
Um, maybe in VHS. I didn't look into that, but certainly not on DVD. Um, I have here just the first season of Batman Beyond because, personally, that's all I liked. <laughs> um, I was really, really excited when Batman Beyond first came out in the late 90s. Um, and then uh, after that first season, I was like, you know what? I think I think it's slipping, and I'm going to bail. Um, in addition to that, I also have the movie Batman uh, Beyond Return of the Joker. Uh, this is the uncut version that has like just a, like a few minor bits of additional violence that the, the cut version has. But Batman Beyond, that first season really good they do some really creative stuff it has a lot of energy there's a lot of ambition on display with the animation and the characterization and the music um but yeah i think they just kind of got fatigued and just ran out of gas basically yeah um, and i was, uh, similar to that i have another warner brothers animation project superman the complete animated series uh i think this is seven discs uh and this costs like eight bucks or some shit really? it's super fucking cheap and the quality of the dvds are just fine it just i think it just goes to show how much people care about fucking superman uh i.e that not a whole lot um i really enjoyed this show i think it complemented the uh the batman animated series from a few years earlier very very well it was it felt consistent like it felt like it was same it was from the same people it, it was bruce tim and all of his people at warner brothers animation um, but it was brighter. It was more optimistic and more action-oriented than uh, the Batman show, which was much more noirish and and moody and not super up on like delivering like lots of punches from episode to episode. Superman, like if, if all you wanted was a good punch up, Superman's got you covered. <laughs> um, I also have here uh, something that I I went out of my way to pick up uh, because I was hoping it was going to uh, maybe aid in uh, bringing the show. Uh, to the states uh like to wider acclaim or something it didn't work out um <laughs> but uh this is retro game master uh which is a japanese television show uh called game center cx and uh this fella here is the chairman his name is shinya arino and uh he is so goddamn charming uh, he has a wonderful sense of humor um and the format of the show is absolutely delightful. Uh, th- this this uh, American printing of this DVD uh, is unfortunately a truncated version of the show. But the format, Brad, is um, they lock him in a back office uh, with with a video game console and task him with beating a video game, like a, usually an antiquated video game, in a single sitting, essentially. Um, and uh, he gets fatigued. It takes hours, like it takes like forty eight hours sometimes, but in between that um, it's a variety show so they cut away from him playing the game and sucking at it and getting better at it over the course of like two days or something um to like travel log footage so people in japan will write into the show and ask him to come visit like their local neighbor like local neighborhood arcade or something and so he'll go with like a camera crew to like some esoteric neighborhood in all parts of japan and like all the kids will come out of the woodwork and just be like, "Whoa, I know you from TV!" And he'll like sit down and play arcade games with them and stuff. Oh, that's cool. And then they like sample like the the local cuisine and stuff. And so it doubles as like a travel log, like a a sampling of like some obscure neighborhoods in Japan and whatnot. And then yeah. of course there's high drama. They edit it like it's a reality show, like like him trying to beat a fucking Nintendo game. Essentially, it's really really fun. Um, this disc, uh, this box set was. I, I it, this was an attempt to bring the show to Western audiences. 
it didn't get past that one box set, but it's what it is. Uh, you mm-hmm. can find you can find the original Japanese version of the show uh, subtitled on not YouTube usually, but like elsewhere. Um, I have here Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. This is a recent Netflix show of Resident Evil that is okay. It's not great. Um, that's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> I have a a box set of a. Outlaw Star, which was a anime series that uh, debuted in the West on uh, Toonami, so that would be a Cartoon Network. Um, this is the whole series. I actually haven't watched this yet. It's been sitting on my shelf for years, um, but I really like the show when it originally aired on television. I have a super-duper limited-edition Blu-ray box set of Megalobox, which is a handsome fucking package. The cover yeah, I like is, that. is wow. stunning. Um, the disc is black. The plastic is black. It's black. No, it's blue. Never mind. I lied. Um, but it also includes like a an art book, and this is the cover art to the art book, uh, featuring biographies of all the characters and lots of concept art and whatnot. Unfortunately, uh, the show is not that great. Um, they uh, they did not have as much money as I think they thought they did, because uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the animation budget was just not there, um, which sucks because I love fucking boxing and I love fucking anime and didn't quite pan out and it's also a, a, a remake of ashita no joe which is an anime series from the late 60s uh, which is beloved internationally like it, it has a huge cultural footprint and for them to not quite stick the landing given the the legacy of the franchise not cool bud not cool <laughs> um speaking of good anime cowboy bebop complete series very 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 good um i finally watched that like six months ago or something um didn't touch the live action show uh heard way too much shit about it way too yeah. much shit that uh made me personally unhappy where i was like i don't even have to be emotionally attached to this series to to know when something's bad and just just looking at clips and, and hearing whispers about some of the things that some of the choices made with that production i was like no that that just looks like ass like just straight up ass um, I have Blood of the Samurai, the series. Uh, apparently there is a movie. I haven't seen it. I don't own it. Um, but this was a random pickup in a uh, Hawaiian grocery store because I have lots of family out in Hawaii. And uh, God damn it, I wanted to know what the kids are watching in Hawaii. And this aired on like <laughs> like the equivalent of like basic cable in Hawaiian, on Hawaiian television. <laughs> so I picked this up and I was like, this fucking sucks. But it's really cool seeing seeing my people like on television uh wielding katanas and whatnot and very similarly i think i've shown this off before probably on the box sets episode uh common rider v3 the complete series uh this is a handsome fucking dvd box set um this is actually printed by a company called generation kikaida which is based in hawaii um and i also picked this up from a hawaiian grocery store and this one i was this one not so excited about this was pure novelty i was like that looks like ass but you know my kind of ass um (laughs) this however i was like i'm super hyped i know what that is i didn't know it existed on dvd let alone existed on the like on hawaiian islands but uh, yeah this is fantastic i i thoroughly enjoyed it and the extras are incredible and uh last thing i'll say archer season one and season two Mm. and the only reason i bring these up is that kyle totally independent of me i had no say in the matter 
uh, Kyle, my usual co-host on Catching Up on Cinema, uh, made it his uh, annual mission uh, to present me with additional seasons of Archer uh, so that I can keep up with his memes. So he has been buying me Blu-rays of Archer so I can so I can get up to speed with he, with him and his sense of humor. Yeah. So we're up to season two, um, and I I am anticipating season three to be arriving on my doorstep probably in the next couple of weeks because I think that, I think it's like a Christmas gift thing from him. But but yeah, <laughs> I, I never asked for this shit. I have watched both of these though. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody, well, there you go. That's a, that's yeah. a good friend then. Yeah, you know if somebody tasks themselves with giving me unlimited seasons of Archer. The least I can do is is watch them. You'll so watch I have, it. I yeah. have watched these. So when season yeah. three shows up, I will watch that too. And you know what? <laughs> I kind of like it. Archer's pretty fun. It's not a bad show. I really enjoy it. <laughs> but anyway, I guess that concludes our uh, speed round uh, for this episode. Uh, so yeah, good one as always, Brad. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, for helping along with this project. It's always fun to to talk about our blu-ray collections and whatnot always fun to share some more stories but uh before we go uh you want to let the folks at home know where they can find you and your very awesome podcast yeah it's the cinema speak podcast so we're on itunes stitcher spotify wherever you find shows just search for cinema speak uh we are on twitter at the cinema speak on instagram as cinema speak podcast and on YouTube as Cinema Speak, and also you can just find us on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. Okay, very well said. And uh, I have yet to check out your latest uh, YouTube video. <clears throat> um, it it debuted while I was out of town, but I'm mm. very excited to sit down and watch that. I'm yeah. always looking forward to those. Um, thank you, thank you. Not one, not one you need to show the family while you're visiting or whatever. Uh, so I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, duly noted. But. Um, yeah, again, thank you so much for joining me, Brad. Um, but uh, in the meantime, folks at home, if you'd like to catch up on any of our uh, Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias at uh, Twitter, at Catching Cinema, as well as the Instagram, at Catching Up on Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every podcasting service you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking google it and uh that being said thank you so much for listening and or watching and we will catch you next time